millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When the red, red robin comes bump, bump, bumping along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his home. don't see themselves as customers uh, and so whenever I now get very friendly emails from fans they say get out of our club so it's not the, the shareholders club um, And welcome to a chat on life special where we're going to look back at course of the action on the pitch yesterday. We're also going to focus on the action off of it. The biggest mobilization of Charlton fans since the formation of the Valley Party in 1990 saw two mass protests before and after yesterday's one all draw with Nottingham Forest. I am Louis Mendes and I'm your host for this evening. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley on Charlton Live are Tom Walling. Good evening, Tom. Evening, Louis. You all right? Yeah, not bad. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Excellent. Good. And uh, of course, uh, Paul Chris Crispy, how are you doing? Evening, happy new year. Happy new year, yes. Happy new year to one and all. Uh, of course, here on tonight's show, we will be looking back at yesterday's uh, decent point gained against the Tricky Trees. We'll hear from Carol Fry and the Big Mac, Simon McKeenock, 
And once we've got the game wrapped up, we'll be concentrating on the protests themselves. We have an exclusive interview with the voice of the Valley editor, Rick Everett. We'll discuss the comments made by the CEO, Katrine Mary, at the recent web summit. We're here from plenty of fans who I personally interviewed during yesterday's protest. And of course, most importantly, we want to hear from you guys, our listeners, this evening. Email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk, or you can tweet us at charltonlive. We want to hear what you guys made of yesterday's game, firstly, and secondly, what you guys, uh, what you guys made of yesterday's protest here at the Valley. First things first, let's start off by listening back to the highlights of yesterday's game. This is uh, Terry Smith and myself. On CFC Player talking about yesterday's one all draw. Here we have the minutes applause for, <coughs> to remember all the fans who sadly passed away in the past year. Today and I'll let Dave Lockwood finish the introduction. Players, staff, and fans who have passed away over the previous year. We would be observing a minute's applause in remembrance and welcome Nottingham Forest to join in to remember any loved ones they also may have lost in the last year. We will now have a minute's applause on the referee's whistle. So it's going to be a Charlton throw midway through the half, which Fox takes towards that's taken, pick it up on the edge of the box, it goes down under a pressure, but the ball's rolled towards Callum Harriet. Hits it left foot, deflected, and it's just gone wide. Oh, dearie me, Harriet hit that from the edge of the box. It took a deflection. De Vries was uh, scrambling across, and it looked for a second it had gone in, but it's just gone a yard or so wide of that far post. I thought it was in, I've got to be honest with you. I thought it just done enough to squeeze in that right-hand corner. Lansbury's going to come over, take another corner for Forrest. He's got Mendes short if he wants him, and he's under pressure from Callum Harriet, who's run completely into that little box. But, oh, Callum Harriet's got com- caught out, and Mendes can fire it across the face of goal. Dearie me, that sort of went quite across the line, and it's somehow gone out for a throw on the far side. I think he was just expecting to hit somebody and go in, because yeah. uh, it's gone out for a throw-in, so it wasn't a shot. That was suck. And he's the referee again, once again is in the way before I still have it with uh, Mendes running into the penalty area up against Chris Solly. Gives a low ball to Osborne, who's going to fire from the edge of the box, and he takes the lead! for Forrest once again the addicts don't make it to half time without conceding and after 44 minutes it's Cholton nil Forrest 1 yeah it just uh, it's the, I know I said before about people writing the script but uh, a little bit of that was Kettle's making he wouldn't allow he wasn't allowing Hedge, El Hedgy Bart to get to the ball because he was in the way but uh, aside from that Burke was left all on his own outside the edge of the penalty area and uh, freedom of the city to just curl that into the left hand corner but that's half-time whistle from Trevor Kettle. And that goal right on the stroke of half-time from, uh, from Ben Osborne has given Forrest the lead here at half-time. It's Charlton nil, Forrest 1. Yeah. The run of Goodmanson, but he finds Solly instead on the right-hand side. Crossing opportunity from Solly. Mackinock will get something on it. It'll drop to Goodmanson. Right foot oh. shot, just takes a deflection and goes away for a corner. But the second challenge from uh, Solly is a firm one, and that's a lovely move. And Callum Harriet will take it off Vazte. Go, go forward, goes past his man foul but he's still on a run takes a shot right for it oh, oh. just past the post uh, Vazte will jump for the second ball no he actually didn't jump Mendes won it comfortably and then Cousins in with a header but uh, is it can make it oh. touch it he does and it needed the save from De Vries to turn it round left oh so so close Jordan Cousins wins the header heads it high back in towards the edge of the six yard box and Simon McKeonox battling away battling away gets the wrong side of the defender has to dive and just gets his toe onto it turns it goalward but De Vries diving to his left hand side gets a hand onto it and behind for the corner but Cousins can pick it up for Charlton Cousins comes away with the ball he's got Harriet outside of him goes on his own for a while now picks out Harriet Harriet left footed Swings it into what the box, Mackinox in there, a little touch! Yes! Yes! 
Diver backing up has equalised for Chowan. Super run out by Jordan Cousins. He's found Callum Harriet on the left hand side. Thought about cutting inside, then took the left foot cross behind the Forest defence. And Simon Mackinock got his toe to it. And De Vries this time couldn't turn it past the post and it nestled inside the left hand corner. Get in there, what a cross that was from Callum Harrier. He, oh, it, was, it was deep, he had to curl it with his left foot. Reminded me very much of his assists against um, uh, Sheffield Wednesday a couple of seasons ago in the game where um, uh, Marvin Sordell got a hat-trick. He had to bend the ball, he spotted the run of uh, Simon McKeanock and McKeanock, we saw him sliding in to try and get a toe-wind onto one a few moments ago. This time he got contact onto it, pushed it into the corner, there's no way De Vries was getting that. And with 20 minutes left, the addicts are level. Spread the ball over to that left-hand side looking for Osborne. Osborne picks it up, up against Holmes Dennis. He's got beyond him and Osborne is pulled back by Holmes Dennis. And that's going to be a free kick for Forrest right on the corner of the penalty area. Took one for the team there, Tariq. He sold himself. Tariq, he should have made the tackle by the touchline. He allowed uh, Burke to get past him. So before he got to the penalty area, he yanked him back on the corner of that penalty area and took the, took the booking. Otherwise, it could have been a, a lot worse. Osborne's just got past Holmes Dennis on that far side and the referee pulls it back as Holmes Dennis. Oh, he's not going to book him again, he is, you know. Kettle's going to do it, he's going to do it. Has he already Kettle's gonna, yeah, Kettle's going to book him again. He is. And Tariq Holmes Dennis. He just can't help himself, pitch. can he? He just can't help himself. He's been on the pitch for about 10 minutes. He's been double booked here and Charlton are down to 10 men out of nothing. And flicks it towards Callum Harriet. Harriet picks it down, flicks over his head, surely taken out by Lehigh there. Trevor Kettle says it nothing. It had to be obstruction if nothing else. Carol Fry's not happy, but the ball's moved towards the halfway line where Blackstock pushes Fox, but he can come away with it. Can the Forest man? Forest flick it over the top looking for the run of Oliveira. It's going to be Nabi Sar. No, Nabi Sar. No. out muscle and Oliveira. Oh, oh what a well saving tackle Chris that Solly. is from Chris Solly. That is superb, Chris Solly. Absolutely superb. Lansbury picks it up and over the halfway line where Nabi Sar will head it back into the Forest half. Williams can't win that for Charlton. And Solly comes sliding into another wonderful challenge as does Harry Lennon and Harry will flick it over the halfway line to McKeon who turns around the corner for Callum Harriet. he's in behind here Callum Harriet. it's a tight angle he's going to have to shoot from a tight angle oh, oh just over the bar it's a save wasn't it? it's a save from De Vries and it's a corner for Joan oh what super work there and that was that was definitely a foul by Solly. <laughs> I don't care what you say. We're into the last minute of added time here. Charlton have the corner. Over it comes, left footed from Gummerson into the middle. Oh, oh headed clear, but it's come out to Callum Harriet on the edge of the box. It's lined up a shot. Oh, oh what a save. Save. Oh, my goodness me. That was heading for the top corner. A wonderful strike from Callum Harriet. And De Vries has pulled one out of his locker there, tipped it over for another corner. Come on, still time. Still time. There's still time. Charlton with another corner here. Gummerson over it. In front of the covered end. We're into the last minute. Over it comes for Gummerson. Towards the far post. Over to Vries. He plugs it behind. He gets a finger. He gets a fist onto it. Oh, and Reese Williams runs it out. And it's going to be a goal ah. kick. That chance from Halliot was so close. In fact, that's how close we've come to winning it. Because there goes the final whistle. And it's finished here. Quite an exciting ending. But it's finished here. Charlton 1, Forest 1. So there we go. All the... Um Excitement off the pitch. There was a uh, one hell of an ending to the game on it as well. Um, a one-all draw against Forest. I think in in the case of a, a normal season where perhaps we're plonking along in mid-table, that would have been seen as quite a good point, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. I thought um, the first half was poor from both sides, uh, but I thought Forest were there for the taking. As always, we conceded just before half time, uh, and then I thought in the second half, I thought we were fantastic. That's one of the one of the better performances we've had. Certainly under Fry, um, 
got our goal deservedly and like you say could have gone on to, to sneak it right at the end of the game uh, talk about the changes. I think the one the, the main changes that, that people noticed was, of course, the fact that, that Callum's back. Callum Harry had been on loan at Colchester uh, throughout the season, done very well there. Um, comes back, and I thought, I mean, we know how much he had struggled at, at Charlton this season and, and previously. I thought he played pretty well. Man of the match. Yeah. Man of the match. There's, End of. There's nothing you can say about it, really, apart from that. I mean, he had that. He had a chance in the, in the first half, a shot that was deflected just wide. He was full of run, a couple of runs in the first half where he just direct and took he, it He was one of the only forest. players there that when he, when he got the ball, he went forward with it. He was Turn. positive in every movement he made. It reminds me a bit, I mean, Johan's the same. So with him not playing the last few games, it made a difference. But every time Callum got it, he, he took it on. It was never going to work every time. But I think the Charlton fans got, got well and truly behind him yesterday. There's obviously been that love-hate relationship <laughs> between between the fans and Callum. But they um, they well and truly got, got behind him yesterday every time he took it on. And I mean, the, the cross he had for the goal, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. But that was a brilliant cross and bloody hell, could have snatched it at the end and, and won it. And it would have been fully deserved for him. Yeah, it would have been a, a fantastic goal. The other... Um, uh, a noble change on the bench as well. Um, it, sort of, it slipped under a lot of people's radars, perhaps, on the way to the game yesterday. We actually signed a, signed a player yesterday morning. Uh, Reese Williams on a, a 28-day loan from Borough. Long way to go for 28 days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. but, um, thinking about it. But um, it's not going to be the player that's going to change our season, but it's hopefully the first of, um, of the uh, an amount of bodies that we're going to get in in this, in this transfer window. I yeah. think he's going to be someone who's going, who's going to help massively, actually. I thought in the 15 minutes he came on, yeah, he didn't do lots but the the organisation he was showing he was trying to push Nabisar and Harry Lennon further forward I think he was Middlesbrough's captain a couple of seasons ago um, you know I think someone had made a £5 million bid for him or something along those lines he's got a lot of experience he's just been injured for a year and a half years, so yeah. I can understand that Charlton fans are thinking oh yeah he's just coming here to get fit but if he comes in and actually helps lead and show a bit of organisation if Johnny's not on the pitch then I've got no problem with it yeah and something I guess I guess we need cause, yeah, I, I did notice that that organisational side as well um, as the first half progress it, it wasn't a great game I think from from either side um, I thought we had started reasonably lively for the first five ten or so but then Forrest came back into it the Tricky Trees um, which is uh, an old nickname they have which I find very funny um, and and you know we've, we've talked about it a few times recently because it's happened about three or four times now conceding right before half time it came from a set piece that was only half cleared and then Everyone back and uh, Osborne, Ben Osborne picks it up and, and fires from the edge of the box and just a lack of concentration perhaps as we approach the half-time whistle. That's exactly what it seemed like, yeah. As I say, I thought it was a pretty poor first half in general. I thought neither team really threatened, like we said. Harriet's deflected shot you heard there in the in the commentary highlights was our best chance and yeah, we just fell asleep from that really. We thought we got it away and we hadn't and we got that second ball in. It was a fairly simple finish in the end, although it obviously made it look quite good bending it into the corner, but yeah, it was so frustrating and again you've just felt we've seen what a difference it makes when we concede and our heads go down and you just thought going into half time that that was going to happen again and, and it wasn't the case this time which was pleasing to see. Yeah because we came out okay in the second half I think there was a, a knockdown for Johan who'd just come off the bench and then he fired just over and I think uh, well, what a difference it could make Johan coming back as well because we, we had looked a bit blunt going forward recently not scoring enough and um, him coming back as such a creative talent if he can get to the sort of player he was last season I don't think he hasn't quite been at the top of his game this year has he but if he can get back to where he was last year that could be a huge a huge comeback for Definitely. us Definitely I think uh, what, one thing I noticed in yesterday's game particularly was their midfield were getting forward and kind of dominating Cousins a bit who was playing more of a holding role and when Berg Gunmanson came on, he gave those two something to think about, and that was kind of their asset lost. And uh, yeah, kind of 
pinned them back and allowed us to play a bit more football and it, it made a big difference. I think that's been an issue with Charlton for a long, long while though, is we just doesn't never, never seem to dominate in midfield. Yeah. Um I thought Jordan had his best game of the season in, in the holding yeah. role. I thought he was, you know, uh, good in the challenge his passing his distribution was, was, was superb um, but you're absolutely right you know Forrest were in control of that, that midfield in that first half and having Johan there in that I don't, is it a, I don't really know what it is at the no, time in time under, under, under pride. but you know when Johan's got the ball and, and you know he seems to stick to his foot uh, at times then he's going to he's going to cause problems and they had to, to come further back and, and sit a bit deeper and yeah and, and, and we fully deserved that that point in, in the end really yeah, um, I mean, let, I mean let's, let's talk about that goal. Um, I mentioned the commentary, Callum's assist. It reminded me of when we played Sheffield Wednesday a couple of seasons ago, come from two down to win 3-2 with um, uh, Sordell scoring a hat-trick. I think um, two of the assists that, um, came from Callum. And the first one was this wonderful, like, curled through ball that he finished off really nicely. Um, and that reminded me so much of that ball he put in for, um, for Simon yesterday. And there was, there was twice, uh, two or three times in the game, where Callum went for this... Really expansive through ball that got blocked out, and there was groans. And I was sort of saying on the commentary, it's like, I can't understand why you're groaning it because he is trying something really difficult here. But you wait till he pulls it off, and it comes, and something comes of it. And that's exactly what he did for the goal. And I think if if a player's happy to try that sort of stuff, then let him try it. I mean, we used to see it a fair bit from Dale Stevens. Be frustrating when it doesn't come off, you know, four out of five times. The one time it does come off, it'll lead to a really good chance. And that's that ball from Callum. I mean, Big Mac had already had a similar chance not long long before where um, Jordan headed one up into the air and he sort of towed it. This time it was a bit lower and easier for him and a, and a perfect finish into the corner. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, it was a good finish, absolutely. And I thought, I couldn't believe he got to the first one actually as well. I really didn't think he was going to get there, but he managed to get the uh, the save out of DeVries. I think that the frustrating thing for me yesterday with... With Harriet, and this isn't him in him in general, is is number one on the list of Carol Fry ridiculous tactical decisions. Is Harriet in that second half was out on the left. He's a left footer. He's got pace, so you know it's perfect to put him on that foot. He was playing on the right wing in the first half. He did okay, but for me, I, I know Goodmanson does that. But Harriet is a gets the byline or, or try and get across it on his left foot. That didn't make any sense to me, uh, especially having Ricardo Vazte yeah. out on the right, who in the last few weeks has played really well up top or you know in, in a kind of counter attack with Lookman. That was not make any sense. Perf- pretty much, wasn't it? Yeah, he struggled yesterday. But uh, as I said before the show, I was kind of I was annoyed because I thought well, he is having a poor game, and then obviously remembered he's playing out on the right. He's, he's not. That's not where he should be playing out on the wing at all. And uh, yeah, so it was it was tough for him, and that was part of the reason. If we go on to talk about Tariq sending off, Vazte uh, <laughs> was just kind of not not helping him at all by yeah. not getting back and. You don't blame him, really, because that's not his natural position. We'll come to Tariq sending off in a minute. There was, there was one other tactic, tactical decision that amused me slight somewhat. It's um, uh, our boy Chris Solly, who's playing well. He's back, back to playing well, I think, recently. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in his favoured right-back position. Um, uh, <laughs> his only right-back yeah, position. Not, yeah, not in his central midfield position, where he ended up for a, a brief while before Tariq got sent off there. That was... Um, didn't that Bob was Peters the, the squarest of off. yeah uh, not sent off got sacked for that list on last yeah. year pretty much playing Chris Solly yeah. in centre midfield that, that was just... that was one of the squarest of uh, pegs in one of the roundest holes wasn't it it, it made no sense I, I th- well Jacko was obviously struggling and and that, I had no problem with him going off I don't know if Barr was injured or, or why he went off at half time because I thought he was actually having a, a relatively good game so that didn't make any sense to me either but if you've got Williams who actually came in and did okay there why are you taking Solly you've had his best game of the season probably as well at right back and, and putting him in the centre of midfield and I know Tariq it worked out those couple of games he played against Birmingham and, and Sheffield Wednesday but for, for me that, that's just a, a really poor decision I, I thought the, the sending off was, was ridiculously harsh though 
Um, it was it was it was on the pitch for eleven minutes, Tariq, and he gave away two yellow card fouls. I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I couldn't remember the first one. I listened back to the commentary, and it was right on the edge of the box. So it was it was. First one, um, the second, second one, the second one, he had a couple of bites, but normally you'd expect to see like for a yellow card, it's, sometimes it's a bit of a totting up procedure in terms of fouls. And I don't think there was enough in that second one for it to be other, anything other than just a foul for me. They were the only two he'd made as well, weren't they? And uh, like I said to Crispy before we went live, I, with someone like that, and I, I know you have to judge the foul itself, but he's such a young player, and when he comes on and he's only made those two tackles, a sensible ref would just have a word with him and say, look, I could have sent you off there, but here's your chance, you know, calm things down, don't do it again. Because that's a young player and that's going to hurt his confidence. And, well, Kettle obviously isn't uh, a <laughs> decent referee and uh, and that was Shut what up. happened. But, yeah, I was I was really disappointed to see him sent off. Gatesy says on Twitter, it says, two natural wingers on the pitch and we managed to mount a few attacks, not rocket science, is it? Or groundbreaking tactics. So, yeah. Uh, Obviously agrees with what you guys were getting out there. Um, the last five minutes of that game, it was a, an up and down. I thought the first half was pretty mediocre. The second half got a bit more exciting. The last five minutes was unbelievable. Like uh, chances at both ends. And we first saw um, uh, Naby Sar getting ready to comfortably deal with uh, deal with a, a long ball over the top with Oliveira uh, sort of behind him. But he was going to comfortably deal with it before he decided to not and just completely miss the ball. And Oliveira was going through, and it was, it was Solly with the life saving yeah, challenge. Time. It really was a um, it really was a wonderful tackle, wasn't it? And uh, that I mean, what was Naby thinking for starters? Same as what he does every week. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'll, I'll try and make a hash of everything. I, yeah. I try. Yeah, it's yeah, typical Naby, really, isn't it? Struggling, yeah. isn't he? A little bit struggling yeah. to adapt to this league, I think. Yeah, um, uh, and then down the other end, we saw uh, Big Mac, who was winning his head as well again. I, I have to say. And when you're sarcastically cheering a Big Mac header, surely you're the one who looks a bit silly when you've sarcastically cheered about 15 every game. Because <laughs> he won, he, he was, he was now, winning them yesterday. He was winning them yesterday. And he flicked one behind the corner for Callum to run onto. Very tight angle. And he got a really high shot, which was just flicked over by De Vries um, and for the corner. And then that corner came out to him. And you see, even listening to the commentary, it seems to take about five seconds to wind it up. But he caught that absolutely perfectly. A half volley from the edge of the box destined for the top corner and De Vries who did it to us two or three times at the city ground in August pulled off a wonderful save to, to save a point for Forrest and you know, if one of those goes in that would have been one hell of an end into a game and something that Cannon would have deserved as well yeah he would have I, he definitely listened to the fans who were asking him to shoot that's for sure um, I think that you say those last five minutes were unbelievable no matter what has been going on and all the protests which we'll talk about in a second everything that goes on those last five minutes are why you come to a football game yeah, you're on the edge of your seat. It was it was fantastic, and of course we didn't get the winner that you know we potentially could have could have you know deserved at the end. But um, that's that's why you come because that was that was exhilarating stuff, and hopefully it will continue. Right, a couple of tweets about the game. Um, uh, Peter Pierce says you cannot say the players aren't giving their all. I thought the same on Monday when we played Wolves. Uh, all bar McKeenock looked interested on Monday, and he scored against the Trembly Trees or whatever they called. Uh, and you and he's referring to me and Terry, so we were giving them heart attacks listening to, uh, to the end, uh, showing that the players are putting a shift in. And I don't think you can question the, the effort of the majority of the players yesterday. No, not at all. I said, because uh, I was sort of around the ground before before the game and seeing the protest, and as I got into the ground, I said, right, now we get behind the team because they're fighting for the club as well. And you could see that on the pitch. I agree with him at Wolves as well. I think we were, we were fairly poor, but they looked like they were putting the effort in. And uh, yeah, yesterday I thought, to a man, everyone was working hard and... Like I say, that's or like Crispy says, that's what you come to football for to see those players trying to dig in and get a result, and uh, and they did that. Okay. Interesting one here from Lisbon. Sorry, but yesterday Forests were poor, awful first half. Whilst we had more about our second half overall, it was another lucky point. 
But I, I disagree with that. Yes, yeah, I mean, I think um, it's one of those ones where we, we know what our defence is like. So if, you, if you're coming up, a, if, if, if Naby Sarr's making that mistake that he made in the last five minutes against the knackered Oliveira, if he's making that after an hour against Ross McCormack, we're going to be going to 2-1 down there in that situation. So it's all relative, I guess, but... You know, I thought I thought we showed some fight yesterday, which for, uh, you certainly can, you can't, can't be saying that for a, a lot of the games recently. I mean, you look at the Bristol City performance, one of the worst performances we've put in years. And, you know, the Ipswich game, the Wolves, I, I didn't think we were great against yeah, Wolves. The Wolves game was kind of my yeah. final straw at that, yeah, at that point, said. to be honest. You don't want to get carried away with a point, do you? It is only a point at the end of the day. And but we do need three points. Exactly. Yeah. But I think to say it was lucky, I think they did deserve a point, and I think we worked hard for it. Um, and like you say, coming off the back of like the Burnley defeat and the Wolves defeat, You've got to take them where you can at this level, especially when we're down in, in second bottom. I, th- I think the issue is if you, you can play that for 45 minutes, but it seems to be the continuation of a poor 44 and then concede. Yeah. And then it's whether we're going to come back or not. Luckily, we managed to get something out of it yesterday, but you can't keep doing that. You know, If we go to Huddersfield, which is the next league game, I don't really care about the Colchester one, the next league game's away at Huddersfield. That's a huge game. Yeah. So you know, if you play like that for 90 minutes, there's every chance of coming the away. The other thing is we do see these little fight backs every now and again. Obviously, we got the results up at Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday as well, but... We need to see it consistently yeah. now. Not only half and half, but also game after game. And if we can start to do that, we'll move up the table. So, uh, like I say, we don't want to get too carried away just with this result, but it was better. We're going to hear from Carl Fry uh, in a few moments. So just a couple more tweets I want to deal with. Kev uh, Kraut says uh, he agreed. Uh, uh, R.E. Reese williams he said he looked to get others organised and did simple things well. Um, Steve, Steve Loveday uh, asks me, uh, any chance next time someone interviews Carol, they can probe his role in the player recruitment prior to being the interim one? Uh, the words of Steve there, I, might, I like to point out. Um, see, I, I f- think um, that Carroll disputes what people say about his role uh, in, um, in, with, uh, with, um, in, in terms of uh, signings before. I think, a lot of, I think it's a, agreed amongst a lot of people that he seemed to be involved, you know, scouting for the network. But I'm under the impression that he thinks he didn't scout too many players for Cholton. He was generally scouting players for the other sides in the network. That's what I've heard. Um, from my contacts, um, you know, I'd, if if I were him, I would personally come out and say that in the press because there's a lot of people, a lot of people not saying that, and, and, and he, I'm under the impression that he wants to get that out there. So if I were him, I'd say that on. Uh, on there's only one person coming yeah. out in the press at the moment because there's nothing else from anyone else in the club, yeah. is there? So yeah, yeah. Uh, and that comes that comes up to a tweet from Ed, who's very impatient. He said. Uh, Three, uh, four minutes ago, he, say, he tweeted saying, I'd like to hear from uh, Richard Murray. Can I understand KM ignoring us, but what's his position? Zero club statements over the last few weeks. Uh, it's a disgrace in my opinion. Can you discuss this silence, please? Uh, they need to show a bit more respect to us uh, customers. Um, it's your opinion, Ed. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, uh, we'd, uh, make sure you keep your tweets coming in because any, any tweet that comes in, as long as it's uh, not swearing or anything, we'll, we'll definitely read it out. So, Ed, I thank you for that. Uh, tweet. We're going to come on to more protesty stuff uh, in, in a little moment, though. Uh, after we hear from Carol Fry, uh, he came in to speak to Terry. I was scarpered when he was coming. Then he came to speak to Terry uh, after yesterday's game. And so we'll hear what Carol Fry had to say after yesterday's one or draw with the Tricky Trees, Nottingham Forest. John Buck, Carol Fry in the studio after uh, one all draw against Nottingham Forest, and Carol after uh, going a goal but down with our uh, Achilles heel just before. Half time. Do you see that uh, definitely as a point gained rather than one lost in the end? <laughs> it's not the first time I'm getting used to it to concede just before entering the changing rooms, and um, we reacted very bad to that in Burnley. We reacted better away at Bristol, and we reacted good today. Gave us uh, energy, and I think even with ten men and uh, losing Jackson, 
um, we were we were the most offensive team, and of course, it's my view on the situation. I think at the end we deserve to win. We started very positively in the first half, um, and then faded a little bit as far as got got themselves back into it. And it looked, for the most part, it uh, it ended up being a nil-nil first half, and you could get them in. Does the team talk change dramatically when you go? Obviously, when you could have been going in at nil-nil, instead you're going one-nil down. Uh, I've, I don't. I've, no, I think I would have had the same talk in uh, at halftime. But of course, you have to refer to the goal we conceded, and I agree that 30, 35 minutes. Um, maybe we looked a better team, and at the end of the first half of 15 minutes, they they were a bit higher on the pitch, had more possession, and. Um, Second half, of course, we take the risks, and we are with 10. Um, but I think we deserved uh, a bit more than what we had. With the, um, you brought uh, Johan on straight away in the, uh, for the second half. Were you tempted to hang, uh, hang a little bit? Was Johnny, uh, did Johnny pick up that knock in the first half? Yeah, to I was amazed that uh, we didn't even concede the foul. They didn't even no, concede no, the foul. No, it's, no. It's, we kept on playing, and um, you saw Jackson, uh, Johnny... Uh, uh, had a kick, and uh, he, tro- he, he wanted to continue. It shows his character, um, so he would break walls for us. Um, but he could not continue, and it would be stupid to take risks. Um, and then I think we had we re- reorganized, and uh, they picked it up very well. But Johan coming on pretty much changed the uh, well in <coughs> the way we saw it. Anyway, changed the course of the game, and, and we were yeah. certainly on the front foot yeah. for mostly. I think we all know that Johan was struggling a bit with his form. Uh, November, December. Uh, normally he's a key player for us. He played most minutes of the whole squad because he's the real, the only real international playing every minute for his for his country as well. So in the international breaks he has to had to travel and very intense game with with Iceland because uh, they were all uh, they wanted to go to the Euros. So um, he played most of all and also traveling costs a lot of energy. There were other players rather have a rest, um, and I think that affected a bit his uh, performances. But we had not the luxury to, to rest him. Um, so maybe the forced rest he had for some weeks did him very good if you saw him very lively and positive on the pitch today. And being back, our key player. Absolutely. <clears throat> Two other players you must be delighted with. First, Simon Mackinock getting that goal. Could have had another couple where uh, the keeper had to pull off one particularly good save. Uh, delighted for him to come back. Uh, must be the haircut, obviously. Uh, that's, <laughs> uh, that's helped. But also Callum Harrett coming back on lo- uh, from on loan and... Uh, and in my book, probably the man of the match performance today. Well, I don't know if he was man of the match, but uh, I'm not really interested in that. But they were, had a good performance. And um, like I said, if he would have had a recall clause, we would have recalled him earlier. But it was not possible, so we had to wait to get him back. And um, yeah, we had a, had a good contact with Callum. And he showed us uh, the will to be part of it on the training sessions. And you left me no choice than to play him, and I'm happy. I, uh, I'm happy uh, I did. And he almost won it for us uh, right at the death, which uh, which would have been a fantastic achievement. Uh, yeah, I think he really deserved that. It would have been the crown to his to his game. Um, he was important for us, and he had a, lots of energy, even running in the last till the last second. But um, okay, let's be fair. It's not only him; he played a good oh, game. Yeah. But I think the team. Uh, the team uh, showed a lot of energy today. Last 15 minutes or so, just a bit more, down to 10 men. Did you have a view on the sending off, Tariq? Would it, do you count that as unlucky or just a little bit of... Uh... Well, I think it's a bit of a lack of experience because if you make the same foul two times, you get booked immediately. Where there were normally you get a warning. So um, that's part of uh, 
um, part of our philosophy because we have the most academy players of Premiership and Championship. Um, and we are proud of that to have uh, a lot of our own players. But you pay a pr sometimes you pay a price for it. So um, an experience is the only way to get experience is to play. And one of, <clears throat> one of those experienced players, Rhys Williams, who we brought in on loan, 28 days, uh, came on to, to fill that gap or to fill that uh, that hole. Is that something you're going to be uh, looking forward to, uh, looking for in January? Some, uh, some a few more experienced heads out there to uh, to try and bring us back up the table. Yes, clearly the position we are in. So we understand the frustration of the supporters. Situation we are in, nobody wants to be there. And I think, especially second half, players show that they, they, they don't want to be there. So, like I said last week, if you play 10 games, table can lie a bit. But if you play the number of games we have done, the table never lies. So um, at this moment, we lack some quality or lack some experience or lack some number of players to give a rest to someone. Um, that's what we are doing now. So, and I think that really shows how much we do not want to be where we are in. Does the um, level of performance, which is certainly higher than, than it has been uh, <clears throat> from the players, uh, plus the, the fact that we didn't lose, we've come back from a goal down, uh, got the equaliser, and probably gone on, could have gone on to win it, and maybe should have gone on to win it. The fact that uh, that performance is in, is that important before this transfer window? So, it, it, you know, the players have just got that little bit of extra confidence than otherwise if we'd have succumbed to another defeat? Well, it was, it was the message yeah, to the players also, so... If you've got a bigger squad, every position is more... You have to work harder to be in the team and you have to even work harder to be on the bench. And it's not a gift. So they have to work for it. And I think that this competition will uh, will lift every player. So I think that we really need this. Well, good luck with the rest of January. Thank uh, good you luck in the, in, the, in the hunt. And uh, we'll see you again uh, next week. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Carol. Terry's very polite, isn't he? Always, always, always with a nice sign-off there for uh, for Carol. Uh, that was Carol Fryer talking after yesterday's uh, one-all draw here at the Valley with uh, Nottingham Forest. We're um, we're rushing through the game a bit today, really, because obviously we've got much more important things to talk about, and that was uh, the performance of the fans off the pitch yesterday, and quite spectacular. I said at the start, of the, at the top of the show, it's the biggest mobilisation of fans since 1990 when the Valley Party was formed. Uh, so we, we obviously want to come on to the protest and we've got an exclusive interview with the Voice of the Valley editor, Rick Everett, coming up. And also about four, eight, eight or nine minutes worth of comments from fans at the protest. So I went out and spoke to, pro to, to protesters after the, the game to hear their views on, on what's going on here at the Valley. So we're very quickly just going to finish off the game. We've got a couple of tweets and then we're going to hear from the Big Mac, the, the goal scorer Simon McKeonock. Then we're going to start on the uh, the protest stuff. So Mark the Taxi tweets me saying, just listening, don't think we can fault our players for effort, especially versus Wolves, just fries. A ridiculous team tactics make us look worse. I mean, the size of Wolves for starters means McKeonock had to start. He tot They totally uh, overpowered us. Uh, so obviously he thought that McKeonock should have started uh, against Wolverhampton Wonders. You had a couple of t other tweets in. Yeah, you've got a few. So Kev Kraut uh, says, was a deserved point. It's probably three players that are either not good enough or are not putting effort in, um, which is probably a fair point. It's really not 11 all at one, at one point. Um, Callum Wadden says, rather than listen to Carol Fry, why don't we listen to Sir Chrissy Powell? Um, <laughs> I think he was on a certain show last he night. He was on Football on Fire. As was I. Hooray. My you tweet, were. My video was on Football on Fire. Aren't I lucky? Um, yeah. That'd be nice. If, um, we can, if, we, if we got to listen to him again on the show, I'd be a very happy man. Fingers crossed. Uh, Garmy Head Chef. Um, boys, just a reminder that Nabi Sar is only 22 and still in his first season in the league. There's potential there. And that's, I mean, that, that is a fair point. Yeah, yeah. The me, but the problem being, we can say that about pretty much every single one of our players, which is probably why we find ourselves in this position. It's because we are playing so many youth players. And I think Carol did allude to the, the, the size of the squad there. 
Uh, and yeah. uh, talking about obviously we know we're going to get players in and there's a tweet from Bob isn't there yeah so he says thoughts on the rumours of uh, Roger Johnson and a certain Mr Diego Poirier returning yeah. um, well it looks like Roger Johnson's yeah. done he Spotted. was at the game um, I think from my opinion on that I think it's it just sums up what we've been saying probably earlier on at the start of the season is we, we didn't build the squad or spend enough on, on the squad and bring in enough bodies because if you're going back to Roger Johnson who apparently wasn't good enough for a contract in the summer then it just sums up yeah. how idiotic the policy was in, in the summer for me um, it, seems, it seems like I mean, if, if we start doing this every season which it seems to be where we're going to start off the season gambling a lot with young players untried players and then we get to halfway and just well, bring in a couple of players who are hopefully going to steer us to safety for starters we're in a lot worse position this year than we were last year Mm. Um, I mean, that gamble's not going to pay off. And if and if we keep gambling on that, the likelihood is we're going to be stuck in the Championship or in League One. What's so ridiculous for me is that has been our policy for the last two or three years, that we start off with some youngsters and try them out, and when it fails, we bring in experience to save the day. What's more ridiculous about this one is it's the same guy we brought yep. in last year to leave us out of trouble. <laughs> yep. We've then binned him off because he's apparently not good enough, brought in these youngsters to try him, and now we're getting exactly the same player back and going, oh, sorry about that, but actually, yeah, we do need you. Well, yeah. are we now just buying... Or bringing in yeah. ex players of Charlton because we have no scout, or you know, to actually go and find other players as well. That's yeah, we don't seem well. I don't know exactly how the you know, scouting that works. Isn't it? I was so, going to say it bodes well we for tried, one certain we, Frenchman. We, we tried still trying, we I think. Tried already, yeah. Um, in regards to Poyet, what, what, I mean, obviously, I, I I can't wait to have him back if it's true that it's alone till the end of the season. Um, I get the feeling that some fans won't be happy about it, and they've got their opinions on, on why Diego left. But I, feel, I still think there's a lot of disappointment in the fact that, that he left and went to a bigger team and. You know, didn't sign a contract, but he was in no when he wasn't offered one by the previous regime. Then there's no way he could sign one, and then it's too late. And he's obviously had his head turned by West Ham. I think I mean, you see, I, you see it with young footballers all the time. And I, I was disappointed with the way he acted when he left. But it's all a bit of hearsay of a lot of things because there's always these rumours going around that he was offered a contract with us, but he was told he was being moved moved to standard Liège. Yeah. So if, if that was <laughs> if that was true, then yeah, I mean, I, but, you know, it's all I, hearsay. I, I must it? say, I struggle to believe that. But you never know. You never know. I think again, we're not in a position to to turn it down. Really, we know yeah. the quality of player that he is and we could do with yeah. extra bodies we've got two more mate yeah. um, Matt Cowlam says that thought Solly looked bemused when he was moved to centre mid and uh, <laughs> I think did. we all were and, so and Tariq confused. was put at right back sign of frustration um, sign of yeah. tactical I mean Tariq's played in midfield so far I'm not in the centre in fairness when he, he came on, on right. I thought he yeah. was going to go into the centre yeah. and then he went to Chris Solly right we're, yeah. we're swapping and, and Chris couldn't believe it and, uh, and the final thing from Kev is I think that um, it is Duchatelet's business model is get youngsters in to play well and uh, and sell them on. Um, it does, does look like that way, Kev. Yeah. Right, let's um, let's move on quickly. Uh, I want to hear from Simon McKeanock. He scored uh, He scored yesterday's first goal since the Sheffield Wednesday game to rescue a point for the Addicts. He came in to speak to uh, the press conference, although I think it's only the new shopper who actually spoke to him. Uh, so we'll hear what, um, uh, what uh, Big Mac had to say after yesterday's point, and then we're going to come back and we're going to do the rest of the show uh, about the protest, including an exclusive interview with the Voice of the Valley editor, uh, Rick Everett. I think we start the game all right. Uh but then again, we concede a goal just before halftime, and that's as obviously obviously tough for us in in the in the halftime to sit there. Uh, the last ten minutes was not good, uh, but else I think the first half was quite equal. Um, second half, like I think they have have a they have a good maybe twenty twenty five minutes, and we have good twenty twenty five minutes. So again pretty equal and we have some chances I have a chance as well uh, where I can score and they have some chances so I mean when we're down 1-0 and to get a draw was alright but it was just it was just, uh, it was just what do you call it like 
tough to get to concede a goal just before half time again, I think. And it was your first goal um, for Sheffield Wednesday. And you kind of been receiving quite a lot of um, sarcastic cheers from the fans and the number one headers for whatever reasons. How have you reacted for, to that? How's that been for you? No, I mean, I, I just try to do my best uh, every, every time. Uh, I know I had a really bad game against Ipswich, and after there, uh, after that game, I think uh, it was it was it came after that, and I knew I had a, a very bad game uh, that 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 day. Uh, and of course, I've just put it behind me and working every day to get better. Uh, and of course, some days are better than others, but but that that day was not good enough for me. Uh, and yeah, ever since I think I've worked on, 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 on what I have to do uh, and still have to adapt to this league and, and think it's, it's getting better and better but I mean it's, it's, it, it definitely doesn't, doesn't help me but it doesn't affect me that much either uh, to, to hear that so not, not, not really anything to say about that There's quite a bit of unrest at the club there was a protest before the game and it's happening now I think does that affect the players or the manager? Uh, I mean the protest doesn't affect me and I don't think they affect the players either. Uh, of course, this situation we're in affect those players, and and we know we we don't have uh, the, the the highest confidence uh, we have had, and and we know we know we don't play uh, the best football we've played. Uh, but but again, we try to work out of it and, and try to like uh, try different things. Who can who can possibly get better to the next game? And we have tried. A lot of different things, and, and some 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 things work in, in the in the different system, and something some things don't. So I think we're still trying to like like find the best way for us to to get up, out of this uh, crisis we're in. Uh, and and yeah, we 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 just trying to work on that on every day on, on training ground. <laughs> so the mascots there from before the Wolves game. Uh, he came in, but uh, yeah, before that, uh, Big Mac, Simon McKeonock, uh talking about his goal, talking about the um, the sarcastic cheering from headers, which uh, I mentioned earlier. I, I find frustrating, and I think it's a bit silly when he's starting to win his headers more often. Um, and he, he talks about, he, I mean, he admits about the Ipswich game where he was awful, and he puts his hands up to that. And I think he's still recovering from that in terms of his, um, uh, in terms of the way some of the fans view him. Do you think possibly? Because I think I I like to think he's improved a bit. I thought he started reasonably well at Burnley, where obviously we tailed off quite a lot and lost quite heavily um, you know I thought, I thought he played well yesterday I thought he'd done quite well winning flick-ons tried to bring other players into it a couple of times we'll give the ball away being a hold-up striker but a couple of, you know, most of the time for me he'd done okay Well it was frustrating for me that once again Vazte was too far away from him in the because uh, he was out on the right side and it was a 4-5-1 and Mackinac is not the kind of player yeah he'll hold the ball up for it at times but I think he needs someone alongside him who can maybe get onto his flick-ons or can link up well with him because at the start of the season he was doing that quite well with Tony Watt Um who's now Cardiff but we won't talk about that um, yeah I, I think for me Mackinac got injured at the Wolves game didn't he at the yeah. and for me it took him a long while to recover from that and because we were so desperate to get players back because Luzon was trying to save his job and you know, there wasn't wasn't a lot else that I think he was rushed in rushed back in and I think he's just starting to get, get back to it um, I agree with the, the sarcastic cheering I think that's a bit a bit too much, especially you know it's been going on for like the last three weeks. But yeah. you know, I thought you did well yesterday. Uh, Lisbon tweets in says, "I agree with your criticism of Fry, but then why don't you put um, more Fry under more pressure in the post-match interview?" And uh, well, I'm going to put my hand up here and say, whenever I interview Fry, I don't think I've given him an easy ride, um, Lisbon. If you listen to my interview after Burnley, 
if you listen to my interview after Bristol City, no one can accuse me of giving anyone an easy ride. Terry, on the other hand, I think Terry is a bit easier than me, personally, and I'm sure Terry will probably agree with that, but it's each to their own, and I always put people under pressure when they need to be. I reckon that your pushing of him for about the transfer window against Burnley has led to these early signings that are coming through. Coming through. I reckon it would have been last week if it wasn't for you, mate, on that. So I think, you know, yeah, all, all down to that. I'm not saying about that, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter Pierce says, Chrissy Powell indeed like a return. That's magic in the words of Paul Daniels. And then he says, can we have an exclusive interview with Kenny Everett? That's magic in the words of Paul Daniels. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks for that, Pete. Uh, Laura just quickly says, uh, THD looked devastated yeah. uh, when he went down the tunnel after he sent you off. And, uh, thanks for that, Laura. It was uh, nice to have seen you yesterday. We're going to be back uh, in 30 seconds or so, and we're going to talk for the rest of the show about the protests at yesterday's game. So am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason, can't find hope to believe in. Great herd drive. Can he get across into the middle? He can. There's Cousins to the far post. Yeah! That's good. Come on! With a goal! Yeah! In the 96th minute. Charlton Live. You're listening to Charlton Live here on a Sunday evening, charltonlive.co.uk, live from the Valley. This is Louis Meadows sitting with me, a Paul Crisp and Tom Willing, as we're going to do the last 45 minutes of the show, and we may even have to go over at the rate we're going in, because we've got hundreds of emails to get through. Um, it's, it's time to look back uh, at yesterday, when the, the day when the Charlton fan base galvanised themselves once again and made themselves proud uh, with two huge protests before... And after, and a little bit during the game as well, and we saw um, the first spontaneous protest uh, in, in terms of sponta- spontaneous during the game was against Wolves, uh, where they all started singing, and we heard a bit of that at the start, stand up if you want them out. And we saw that a couple of times yesterday, but I think um, th- there's been revelations throughout the last couple of weeks um, from Katrine herself, um, where she sort of mentioned, she went to a web summit in Ireland uh, to talk about what how she sees the future of the club going forward. And I think, first of all, we're going to listen to that audio, then we're going to listen to something else she said, uh, then we're going to talk about something that came out in the Voice of the Valley. But first of all, and get your tweets in, let me know what you guys think of this. This is what um, Katrine said uh, to the Web Summit in Ireland about how she sees, see, how she sees the, uh, the future for Charlton Athletic Football Club. And, and my proposition would be a unique kind of real football kind of um, fan experience uh, and see the hopefully the next stars of, of the of the Premier League, which we will have a play um, for Charlton in the first team, and then probably sell on to the Premier League. So there you go. That was um, <laughs> Katrine's vision for a, a utopian future here at the Valley, or is it a dystopian future where we uh, become some sort of player farm? It's just bizarre, isn't what it? Like, like I was just saying there. Who wants to watch match of the day and gone? Ah, oh, he used to play for us. He used to play for us. He used. Up uh, doing it now. We want him, yeah. we want him at our club. Well, uh, yeah. What's the Belgian version of the match of the day? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, that, that comment, I mean, things have been bubbling under, I think, ever since Carroll came in and the, the whole interim manager thing, which, you know, it's been going on for... He came in... His first game was on um, Halloween, the 31st of October. Oh, so that was... November, the nightmare continues. Yeah, just, yeah. Over, just over two months ago now. Um, uh, and we're still sat here with a with a, a, an interim manager who doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and so, so people have been boiling a bit under that. There's been, there's been protests before and after games recently. And then your, your CEO goes off to, I mean, she went off to that web summit around the time of the, um, the, the signing of Fry. It was actually, I remember it being around that time, but the, the video didn't surface. It was the Valley Talk blog 
he found it, Joe Hall, who found it on Christmas Eve, because he hates Christmas. And uh, he, he found the video and put it up there. Uh, and these quotes, I mean, that, that one was the one that did it for me. There's another quote coming up in a minute, um, which, is, which is slightly painful to listen to as well. But that, that quote, you know, you're, you're sitting there thinking, like, are you, are you really actually um, saying that this is what we're going to plan to do? Or is this, I mean, is this something that's just for the short term, or is this long term? I think like, that needs to be explained. I think those comments need to be explained quickly, because... Standing alone, those comments sound very bad. For me, did she? I mean, does she not think that that would come out to Cheltenham fans in some way, shape, or form at some point? Some of us have the internet now. I know it's incredible, isn't it? There's this wonderful world we live in. <laughs> but I mean, wasn't that about the same time that the the meeting happened here with the you know the, Fan, the presentation yeah, the Q&A and all of that? Yeah. So I think it's just it's absolutely mind-boggling how you can say that sentence. And obviously, there's going to be more coming out in a second, but. That, that for me, I, I don't want to be in a position where, as, as Tom says, I'm seeing players who I saw for three games in the Charlton shirt did well and then got sold on, you know, to watch them on match of the day. I want to see those players playing for Charlton in the Premier League. Communication is very important from from the club, and um, even if, I mean, even if she has been misquoted or she hasn't quite explained herself what she wanted to say there, and, and that's a possibility. Don't forget, I mean, it's also in the age of the internet, quotes can be taken and they could be sort of taken apart and, and misunderstood and especially if someone is not speaking their first language it could be misunderstood so do you think perhaps now that it has come out like this do you think that there'd be a situation where perhaps well if that's not quite the case then maybe you should come out and say something just to put fans at ease because you see when, when the Charlton fans aren't at ease you know Charlton fans are not to be messed with as, as, as you know Greenwich Borough found out in the 90s yeah. And and Katrina running to finding out now. Well, wasn't there one earlier on I don't know if it was earlier on this season or it might have been later on last year where she talked about it kind of got reported from wherever it was, and she was she was speaking, you know, Belgium or Dutch or something along those lines, that about the history of the club, and that doesn't matter anymore, and that sort of thing. And she said, I she came out and said yeah. I was misquoted. Yeah, and that's, 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 that's I mean, that, fine. that was a nailed on misquoting. Yeah. when you read it, I mean, it, you but, read but there's it. There's no and, getting past that. Yeah. Well, unless there is, a, it was sort of um, no, there's not. No. In, <laughs> unless she was thinking it, it's only short term, but come out and say it. Come out and say it. Yeah, don't I, d- I don't understand why. Like I say, let's say she has been misquoted. She's going to see that fans are quoting that. It doesn't take long to just come out and say, look, that's not what I meant. This is what I think. But it goes along with all of the communication we've had from them that there's no real discussion about the strategy, that that sort of presentation and meeting aside. And you can't, perhaps she feels that she can't just go and say, that was misquoted, this is what I meant, because it's just going to leave fans to ask for more and more. And clearly that's not what they want to do. Callum says it's simple. Katrine Rowland, Murray and Fry need to go. Anyone who still backs this regime can leave too. Uh, so that's, uh, that's Callum's opinions here on Charlton Live. And I want you guys to send in your one. Studio at charltonlive.co.uk. I've got hundreds of emails which I'm coming to in a few moments' time. Studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at Charlton Live. Steve Chapman says this has to be Katrine's uh, Gerald Ratner moment. Whatever that means. We're not very good at history on Jordan Life. We'll have a Google at the next one. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, right, there's uh, one more quote that needs discussing. And this is, um, I, I mentioned I went round after the game yesterday and spoke to a lot of fans um, asking them about... Um, the protest. I was. I'd just like to put our hands up here. Charlton Live is a very neutral show because um, we have to be. Uh, we, we have to be. We have to. We, we're reporting here. We're not. We're not giving. Well, we are giving a few opinions, but we're, we're, we're trying to be careful, basically, uh, in answer to your tweet, Bob. And um, uh, the. Uh, so I also. I also tweeted out before the game yesterday um, to say that if any fans who aren't protesting and don't think there's an issue would like to come speak to me because I want to be as balanced as possible, uh, I tweeted out that I was standing by the club shop and I stood there for an hour 
uh, and uh, I've got witnesses that <laughs> I stood there for an hour, uh, and yeah, no one come to speak to me, unfortunately. So uh, we are. I, I did put it out there if anyone wanted to try and defend, uh, but no one did. Uh, right, let's uh, let's hear um, Katrine's second comment. Um, this one's slightly longer. This is uh, also at the Web Summit in Ireland a few weeks ago, but uh, surfaced on Christmas Eve, and I've got hold of the audio for you guys now. Uh, fans don't see themselves as customers. Uh, and so whenever I now get very friendly emails from fans, they say, get out of our club. So it's not the, the shareholders club. Um, I think it's quite funny because they say they pay. Obviously, the ticketing system is one third of our revenue stream. Um, but they, they go to their restaurants with their family every week and they go to the cinema. But if they're not satisfied with the, with the product, will they go and scream to the people in charge of it? No, they don't. But they do it with a football club. And that's very weird because they feel a sense of ownership of a football club. And that's a really difficult balance is how you try to engage with fans and make them incorporate into, into the, some decisions of the club. But I, I think it's... It, I mean, in the end, the bill is paid by somebody else, so he should have the final say. Come on then, you weirdos. Why do you think you own the club? <laughs> I mean, you've always been a bit weird, Lou, I know, but... Oh, come on. What, what, what? What? what can you say? I mean, what can you say? I mean, I know, I know, I think you, you have to think again, you have to think of the audience perhaps that Katrine's speaking to, and I'm going to try and talk from both sides here. You have to think of the audience that Katrine's speaking to. She's gone to some one of those network, get your file of facts out, uh, uh, bus- yeah, it. business yeah. meeting where you're talking business speak, but your customer fan base, and we we have now had uh, various people tweeting in explaining who Gerald Ratner is. Thanks for that. And uh, also, uh, uh, Crispy looked it up, and we found out that he basically admitted that his uh, jewelry was rubbish and all. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so uh, we understand that. Uh, you, you go, so you're going out. So her, her, the audience she's speaking to there are businessy types. Uh, and you could understand we've all been to those boring conferences where you have to talk business for a little while. You've won awards at them, Crispy. And, um, and, uh, Thanks, mate. Yeah, and, um, uh, and spoken the... Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wait, but you must know that those comments are going to come back to a passionate fan base and kick you up the backside somewhat. We're not customers, are we? Like, it doesn't matter what the platform is. We're, we're supporters. It's There is a difference. We're not, it's not a restaurant. It's not a cinema. It's fine to use those as comparisons, but it's a football club. So you've got to compare it with other football clubs and look at what they're doing, not what not what I do when I go to the cinema. It's, it's so frustrating because it just sounds like she doesn't get it. And when they came in, it didn't sound like that. It sounded like they did have a, a fairly reasonable plan. And it's just it's so naive to, to go there and say something like that that, that just doesn't link with football. That Bobby, is it Bobby Robson who did that speech about what is the club? 
anyway and about how it's the fans and the supporters and that feeling and this just goes against that and that for me that is what football is it is about the supporters and that's that's what makes a club and like I said it's just naive to go and say that somewhere and not think that it's going to come back and, and bite her and, and that's exactly what yeah. it has done G- Gatesy says the same yeah. as well Captain's comments show just how naive she is in, in the football world um, which, which yeah she's pretty much backed up what you just said there I mean I, I can't add, add any more to that to, want, to be honest yeah, and uh, Marion says these clips, she really has no idea at all, loud scream. Uh, she carries on. She was wrong on so many things, where to start. Um, uh, Garmy says, whatever cat... No, I won't be saying that. Um, uh, Peter Pierce says, uh, football isn't a product, it's a sport. We all feel passionate about it uh, and follow. It's not a variety of spaghetti hoops. Uh, I, uh, I spent a good portion of that first half yesterday, because it was so rubbish, trying to think of an analogy with the cinema where I could kind of see where she was coming from it took a good half an hour and I still couldn't work it out to be fair it's like you're going to watch Titanic at the moment isn't it so. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, right um, so I, I've i been following with uh, much interest the, the protests around the club um, started by uh, Ben Hayes and by young Joe Reed, who um, I've, uh, I've interviewed for BBC London and for this show I've spoke to him because I wanted to understand where he was coming from with the spell it out and black and white campaign which uh, Ben Hayes started up on the forum, the Charlton Life forum, then Joe uh, sort of went went to work with him and, and you know picked it up really and ran it on on the social media. And Joe um, is an eighteen year old; uh, he knows how to do social media, <laughs> very very impressive. Uh, and that that started out as the um, and this was obviously before the Sheffield Wednesday game and ended up with this Q and A meeting they were talking about. Um, they wanted a bit more um, talk; they want more dialogue with the owners. Basically, they want to understand what's going on. Uh, and I. I I, was, I, was, I remember speaking to Joe not long uh, not long after the Q and A. I think um, we went to he, he, on the night of the Q and A, which I, I wasn't invited to. You have to be. It was a lucky dip, basically, to be invited to, and I wasn't. Um, nor was Joe. We were at the Bromley game, and we were looking at the quotes coming out, and we were like, "Oh God!" And then a few weeks later, I was texting him saying, "You know, I'm, I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm thinking like they've." I think they've spelled it out, and I don't think that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> and I, I wondered if he, if you know, what was next for him. And I said, well, "Where do you think you're, you're, you're going to take this next, you and Ben?" And 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 then obviously they joined up with Rick as well with the two percent stuff. Um, after the comments, after the first protest, they went for the two percent stuff, which I think proved a point at that time. At that time, though, I'd still say it was about fifty percent who stood up with mm. placards in the ground. Um, when these comments from Katrine come out over the last couple of weeks, and coupled with the revelation in the Voice of the Valley fanzine that Rick Everett is the editor of, and we're about to hear from him, uh, that there's been uh, an offer of um, investment from Peter Varney that was never even listened to. Um, it's the, the, the fan base seems to have changed from spell it out to we're spelling it out to you, you've got to go. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, I think yesterday showed that. Yeah, that that protest that I mean, I didn't I wasn't there for the, the the one before I was there after, um, and I think that that's exactly what the case is now. I think everyone's had enough. Yeah, I agree. It had the feeling, the the sort of spell it out has clearly got things started, and then yesterday had the feeling of a proper big Charlton movement towards you know what? Yeah, we're not we're just not happy with what you are saying, and uh, yeah, it, it felt it felt big yesterday. What? The, I, th- I think it was also being there and being a part of that made it feel big, but also the amount it was getting on the. Yeah. in the national media national press yeah. all over it as well well I know Rick Everett was interviewed by various people including BBC London not me I wasn't working for BBC yesterday uh, he was some, fanta- some... fantastic on TalkSport yeah. as well yeah, fan- yeah I listened to the TalkSport one that really was really well. good um, uh, and uh, right let's um, let's hear from Rick Everett I think 
it's um uh, I uh, arranged I, I've, he, he spoke to BBC London and then I arranged to speak to him myself afterwards. Uh, so this is Rick Everett. He's the um, editor of the Voice of the Valley campaign, uh, and uh, he always has a lot to say, Rick. And uh, he certainly had a lot to say yesterday. So I'm joined by Rick Everett, the, the Voice of the Valley editor, um, and sort of one one of the uh, the men behind today's protest. Uh, what, what are the motives for today's protest? I think we've got to a point where we need to demonstrate to the club and to the media and the wider football world the scale of the revolt at Charlton and that people are no longer going to put up with what's been going on here in the last two years. So I'm looking for a huge turnout of numbers. I want it to be... Um, I want it to be focused and I want it to be responsible. So I don't want people to, you know, break the law or be abusive, but I think we've got to show the strength of feeling and the numbers of people who care. And the, the, the protests over the last few weeks, obviously you've been tied in with the, the Spelling Out and Black and White campaign as well, which started off as a, a request for more dialogue, but over the last couple of weeks it seemed to have turned off, we want the owners out, basically. I think it's clear that dialogue with the current chief executive, um, he can't have dialogue with the owner because he's not available, but certainly dialogue with the current chief executive and board is not going to be effective. Um, they've set up a sham target 20,000 committee, which um, you know, they put me on without asking me, um, <laughs> which I'm not prepared to take part in. Even the, even the, the community, the Sports Trust has refused to uh, be part of that committee. So um, it's clear that they've got a, a view of how the club should be run. Um, they're not prepared to staff it properly. They're not prepared to put a, a good enough team on the pitch. They're not prepared to put a manager who's credible in the dugout. Um, I don't see what there is to talk to them about anymore. And also the, the revelations in your, in your own fanzine that they came out just before the last game about Peter Varney's attempt to get in contact with the club. Um, do, I mean, do you think that Peter Varney has, has a viable alternative? Um, I've absolutely no doubt that Peter Varney has got someone behind him with the resources to take this club over and to put it back where it, where it should belong. I think people mustn't run away with the idea that Peter Varney himself um, is leading this, this interest. Um, Peter is brokering it. He will act as an advisor. Um, but he does, have a, he does have a commitment to Ebsfleet United, um, and he, he's made clear to me he doesn't want to come back here as chief executive, but what he does want to do is see this club put right, and he will do everything he can to make that happen, because he's a Charlton supporter at the end of the day, he's still a Charlton season ticket holder, and he has the same passion that we all have. And do you think fans' protests will achieve what, what you want them to achieve? Um, I think the regime will collapse because I don't think that the way they're running the club is sustainable. Um, I think if we do get relegated, there'll be so few people here that it will be almost impossible for them to carry on. The problem is, at the stage that we've been relegated, it's going to be much less attractive for someone to come in and take it over. A lot of the value is in the fact we're in the Championship um, and have the potential to get in the Premier League. Um, I just hope that we can make this change sooner rather than later because uh, time is of the essence and today therefore needs to be a big demonstration and a big show of strength from the supporters, responsible one, but make clear we're not carrying on like this. And after today's demonstration, what, what's next for the fan base? Um, I think there'll be a, a further initiatives um, around future games. But as I say, I think the priority for all of us, we, we're not looking too far ahead. We want to demonstrate today that Catrian Mira and Roland du Chatelet have got to go, and they've got to go in the next week, preferably. So there's, uh, there's Rick Everett, the voice of the Valley uh, fanzine editor, and one of the main driving forces behind yesterday's uh, massive and, and well-behaved protest. He, he was speaking before the game, uh, before the game there, talking about he wants to make sure it is a responsible protest. It was 100% that... Uh, and, and I think the fans did themselves proud uh, yesterday. Callum Wadland says, being part of that protest last night was the first time I felt a part of my club in a very, very long time, and he was proud. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I thought it was really moving to see everyone after the game. Like you say, not just content with a draw, which it could have been easy to do and go home and 
it was interesting to see such a diverse range of people there there were there were really young kids there there were older fans there and I did talk to two or three people there just to to see exactly why they were there or what had made them turn out and there were different people there were season ticket holders there were people who just turned up for this game and had heard about it and they're all fighting for their club and that you know whether you agree with the protest or not whether you uh, agree with the current regime or not to see that many people stand up and fight for their club as has got to be credited, and I thought they did an excellent job. Yeah, I had a couple of tweets in uh, to my personal account from Nick uh, Martin. Thanks thanks for listening, Nick, and thanks for contacting us. He says, I'm not defending Katrine, uh, but many are taking the Dublin uh, quotes out of context. Uh, a business conversation highlighting what is unique in football didn't hear her say that fans are wrong to feel the way they do. I mean, obviously, for um, uh, I, 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 she, she mentioned it was weird. She mentioned stuff like that. But as, as we already mentioned a few moments ago... Um, they they will be taken out of context, and that's why I think it's important. Perhaps when something so divisive has come out of uh, of the CEO's mouth, that perhaps they, they need it needs to be clarified. Maybe. Yeah, I think there needs to be a bit more PR work for herself in regards to you know how, how she conducts and, and says certain things. I mean, I thought in the Q and A that happened a couple of months ago, and I watched that back, so I wasn't a part of that either. But I thought at times it was actually kind of condescending how she treated the fans in in what she said. I mean, yes, she's got her opinion. Yes, she's obviously spelling out what what she thinks the strategy is for the club and and what have you, but. I think yeah, it's it's take, taking us all a bit for granted at this moment in time. There are a lot of law fans who are there outside, and but it's going to get to the point where they won't be yet, won't be there, as, as Rick said. Um, if we if we do go down and, and the owners are still there, then the attendances will be minimal next next season. What was the Bolton game was the lowest in fifteen oh, years. years? You know, you can't you lower can't just keep relying. One. Yeah, was, lower than League One, you can't keep relying on 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 us. Something a certain Chris Powell touched on last night as well, who just said if if it carries on and they're not happy, they'll vote with their feet. And obviously, season ticket holders are get, might still choose to come now because they've paid their money. But like you say, if, if next year we're down there and, and the ownership hasn't changed and communication's no clearer and no one's any happier, then people just, just won't come anymore. Um, Mick, Mick Brazil tweeted uh, earlier as well, saying process yesterday was the best thing I've seen all season. Huge, good-humoured, positive, determined and optimistic. There definitely was some humour in there, I have to say. Yeah. Se- Sebi doing the worm is always... <laughs> so that's always funny. Uh, we've got plenty of tweets to rattle through, which I'm going to rattle through now, and then I'm going to play you uh, a compilation of my interviews that I did with fans outside uh, during the protest after the game. And like I said, I'd just like to clarify that I did offer anyone who wasn't protesting to come and meet me at the club shop, and I stayed there for an hour in the freezing cold, and no one did. So I'm trying to be as balanced as possible. But I think you'll, you'll see from the emails, from the tweets, and from the conversations we've had yesterday... <laughs> balance is leaning a certain way isn't it uh, right let me let me let me rattle through some of these tweets because i've got hundreds of emails to get through and like i said we, we might end up going over time uh, this evening i hope you'll bear with us uh, guys if you can uh, laura says uh, km doesn't seem to understand that owners players and managers come and go but the fans stay until they're driven away uh, richard workman says a lot of what she says sounds like middle management speaks she doesn't actually have direct power she's rd's conduit bob liscombe says don't want to hear from km unless she admits her mistakes Stuart gervin asked us a question he says do you know if anyone including the media has contacted the safc board for their response to recent events and i dare say uh, it, would, it would be an almost certainty that um, the national media will have done that and it's almost certain because you know how the media works they want quotes from both sides of the story yeah yeah and I think the, the fact that it's, it's so out there in the national press now I mean it was in a lot of the newspaper websites over the last day or so um, 
think you know, talk sport obviously had Rick on there as well but they had a few fans on on um, Stan Collymore's show in the after in the evening after the games I think BBC 606 had it with Mark Chapman and Robbie Savage so you know it, it's really being pushed out there to the wider football audience and I think there was a lot of Nottingham Forest fans yesterday who I, know, I saw a couple of Forest fans at the protest yeah uh, Marco says some people bought shares in Charlton to help the club through a rough patch lost 100% in value in takeover that's not what customers do that's what fans do uh, Ian's asked us to move on from the Q&A and talk about the protests which obviously we are doing uh, Callum I've already said that Garmy says I was there but wondered how long it went for after I left I was there till the, the, the bitter end mark and it finished at 6 o'clock and then, yeah, 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 bang, bang on 6 everyone uh, stayed for exactly an hour uh, Kevin said uh, there should there be a statement from the club after so many of its customers showed how unhappy they are at the moment you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, they're but the not... same. At the same, I guess the only thing you could say is probably at the same time, anything that comes out now will just be picked apart because yeah. there's, and you have to be very careful. And, and I think um, you let your actions do the talking, and obviously the actions are being protested against. So even if they they're in a funny situation now, where even if they come out and say something, it's, it's probably going to be the wrong thing because the actions are still. Well, then you're not doing it on a pitch, are you? The, the only thing I can think of at the moment that might help one little bit, and I don't think it's going to be huge, but would be uh, appointing a manager that's not Carol Fry. That, that's the first the first step for me. Obviously, you bring Chris Powell seemed to throw his hat into the well, ring last night. Yeah, he did last night. But yeah, I think that's the obvious one for me. I mean, I think the fans showed that at the end of the game yesterday and that he got booed down the tunnel, as, as he has pretty much every home game so far, and then the players got clapped. You know, the, the fans are behind the players, but they're not behind this regime. Yeah. And, that, and that's the first step. And that's what Clive Harris says. He says, yesterday was a turning point. We can make this unmanageable for them. Support the team, not the regime, next Saturday. Uh, Bob Liskin says, if they ever wanted to name a stand, then the Rick Everett stand would be appropriate. Nobody has done more... Uh, for Charlton fans. Uh, Jersey Transplant says uh, it was only 2%. I think he might be joking there. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 did you already read out Gatesy's Roland sees No, to, no. no Roland needs to seriously evaluate Katrine's comments. Only hope of appeasing fans could be to appoint a real manager and a new CEO. Uh, Brian Haynes says, I do not buy a program these days because Katrine still have a page in it. She hardly lacks a platform. A few adverts. Does she, does she have a page? <laughs> I don't know if she has a page in it. Um, uh, sounding like there's not going to be many pages left. Um, Clive has done that one. David Walker says, Last week, my 12-year-old son said, Do you remember when we used to win? I felt rotten but reinvigorated uh, by the protests. And it's, we've got an email from uh, someone in the inbox, which I'm going to come to uh, after I play you this uh, nine minutes or so of fans at the protest. And <laughs> and um, uh, there is something I don't I don't think it's from David I think it's from someone else but someone from their twelve year old son's point of view so they've, they've helped their son uh, write an email um, someone with a pretty unpronounceable uh, Twitter name tft t seven seven nine seven sounds like a robot says uh, as as a season ticket holder if Du Chatelet is still the owner and Catherine Mary is still the CEO I will not renew and I will go game by game uh, next season before saying I would like to hear Richard Murray talking about the potential investment takeover interest. I know it was on the forum that Richard actually called Rick Everett um, uh, and he published a little bit of what was said, but obviously he's not, he's not going to come out in public and talk about that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, the, the, we, know we, we now know that Peter Varney's decided to go public with the, the fact that he's trying to make some form of offer for investment. We don't, uh, well, at the time I didn't know if that was a full takeover, but judging by what Rick said to us, I believe it is. Um, so that, is, is this the... the- you QA is a company that, that yeah. Peter Money. Well, well no, I don't know, but I, uh, people would assume. I, well, I, I think it might be wrong to assume as well, actually, because he, he might have someone else. I, would, I wouldn't actually know that. I wouldn't know. Um, uh, Rick Everett's daughter, Tasha, says the Rick Everett stand, followed by the laughy cry emoji. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Marion says, we can't force immediate sale of the club as much as we'd like to. 
but surely uh, Carol Fry and probably KM as well have to go. I mean, Marion, look at what happened at Standard Liège with protest, 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 then he sold. I think, you know, a lot of people might, might feel there's nothing we can do. I've, there's something the fans can do, and that's why I think Rick is pushing this so much. Um, and that's why I think a lot of fans, especially with the, the well-timed announcement from, in the Voice of the Valley, don't think there's nothing you can't, there's nothing you can do. Don't think that. That's what I'll say. A uh, couple more. Um, uh, uh, well, just one more. Bob Liskin says, uh, how about you guys get an interview with Richard Murray? Uh, we could try, <laughs> uh, but we uh, probably not. Uh, right, um, yesterday at the protest, and just to clarify, for the third time, I'm doing very balanced work here on Chatwin Live, uh, and I stood outside the club shop for an hour waiting for people who weren't protesting, uh, who'd like to come and speak to me uh, to, to give the other side of the coin. Uh, but no one came, unfortunately. I just stood there and got cold. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, I haven't got anyone defending at the moment. But uh, in, in the view of uh, balance, here is uh, nine minutes worth of people uh, talking about why they were protesting yesterday at the Valley. And uh, Tom, you mentioned earlier about the diverse nature of the, the, the young and old, the, the male and female. Everyone, everyone was out there yesterday. Uh, and you'll hear that I've gathered as many people as possible to tell me why they were protesting outside the valley yesterday. They're my favourite club and I live near them. So I went rolling out. I'm here because if we don't protest, this club could die. Well, I'm just sort of pretty sick and tired of the club's arrogance, really. Well, not the club, but Katrina Mir and the Duchatelli syndicate. I just think it's very arrogant. I think, um, you know, they're not being honest with supporters. I think it's really important that as a fan base we show solidarity. Um, and I just think what's important to be able to express is that Catriona is missing a vital point as to why that we are all here. Um, we've got three generations of my family here standing together today because football is an integral part of our life and you can't treat it as a purchase. We're outside the valley um, for because we don't we're singing like because we don't we, we don't like our manager and we're trying to get a better man manager and everything we can do. We're just utterly disgusted by the way this guy's running our club and well running them into the ground is the way that he's doing it. He's got no intentions of us like prospering like a football club should do and trying to reach the you know the higher echelons of the football leagues. He, he just wants to make money and we're against that. There's no transparency, um, everybody's very concerned, and rightly so, you know, this is a great club, this is a fantastic club, and, uh, you know, everyone's just singing, go to pot, and everyone's sick and tired of it, and these people need to wake up and listen, and either change their ways or get out. It's just the heart and the soul at the club, really. Um, a few years ago, we had a lot of uh, fans here, who just uh, and players and manager and the board who cared about the club, but it seems a lot of things are going against us at the moment. It's, it's not just what's on the pitch, it's what's off it. I'm here protesting today because um, Welwyn hasn't been making the right choices. I've come to the club with my dad, my brothers, for the past God knows how long. And we just feel like there's a big separation between us and the board right now. We ain't customers. Without us, they ain't, they ain't going to make money. You know, they, you know, we're the backbone of this. Of any Fans are the backbone of any club. You know, they're not customers. That's disgusting. And that just proves that they don't belong here, you know. They want to see the club more as a kind of a business. You know, we'll, we'll 
raise the youngsters through the club and we'll sell them off to the Premier League, you know, like a nursery, if you like. And it's a complete detachment to, uh, from the way that the fans feel about the club. You know, it's part of our life. It's part of our livelihood. Obviously, the current uh, regime's not working. Um, you can tell by the amount of people here today. There's, what, at least five, 600 people here today. Um, not even substandard players come and play for Cholton. What's going on is not good enough. We've all been Charlton fans for a long time and this, you know, we're all devastated at what's happening with the club that we, we love and we're getting disregarded, basically. We've all been fans for a long, long time and never have we been called customers. I mean, what a, what a shocking thing to say. And it's not good enough. It's a lot of things, like, like the fans' sofa, like the change of the mascots, just like ruining the tradition, really, and just want it all back, really, and it, it seems it's not going to be happening with a uh, manager and players from unknown places. Just uh, We're a championship club, and it seems like we're going to be going down into League One, and it doesn't look like we're going to return anytime soon. What, what we'd like to see is, obviously, Chris Powell's show on, where every player was playing for the shirt. They might not have been the best players in the world, but they, you know, he, he got sort of hard workers came in and they, they sort of put a shift in for the shirt. All these players ain't doing it. The only players I can see doing it is Henderson, Solly and Jackson, which you saw today as well. Even though Jackson was injured, he was all over that pitch. We come to this game not because it's a day out of the restaurant, not because it's a cinema, um, but because we have an emotional bond with that club and we're making ourselves known. We want to tell this lot, this isn't a cinema, this isn't a restaurant, this is a football club, listen to us, make some changes. just don't agree with the regime at the moment. Um, they came here with a plan to try and get this club back in the Premier League and at the moment I'm seeing no signs of it. There's no heavy investment on the pitch. OK, they're investing in the right places, in the ground, in the training and so on, but there's nothing on the pitch and that's why we are where we are in the league. There's just no passion about the club anymore. They're running this club into the ground. I mean, that, how long we have to sit in the manager now? Two months, three months? You know, that if he's an interim manager, he, sh he shouldn't be here that long as far as I'm concerned. He should be, he should be there for, no for, there for a few... Yeah, exactly. No, no stability. They don't seem to care. And then He's got a lot to learn. Um, it's, it's comparing it to going to the supermarket. So it's just a way of life, going to watch a football team. You grow up, do it for a lifetime. You go to the supermarket, you can do whatever you want. I mean, it's, I really don't understand her comments. And it's a lot of... Um, hypocrisy over the last two, three years or so, which is really frustrating me because I need to engage with the fans because they're the heart and soul of the club, really. Generations of people are here today um, and over the entire season to watch Charlton play, but they haven't been playing well because of Roland's choices. Yeah, we played well today, but we need, we definitely need a better manager. Again, like what she said the other day, like call, calling us all customers, I mean... That, 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 you, don't, you don't call football fans customers at the end of the day. You, we're, we're off the reason why we're here, yeah. all the fans. You know, and to call us customers, I think it's just disrespectful. And I think she's just... Yeah, I don't think there's any going back from her from saying that. that completely, the race, relationship between the fans and her is completely gone. There's no coming back from that, from what she said. Completely disregard the fans and the way she has done. Yeah. Whether we, they change or whether they, they leave, you know, something's got to happen. It can't just be nothing. Some, that's what we've got to try and affect change. And we're stronger together as fans. Than, uh, than they are as just a couple of people. I'm against the owners and all of them. You know, this is not the Charlton that we had growing up. No, it's a family club. This is not a family club now. This is the second protest that I've been at and more and more people are showing up. So it goes to show what, what everyone is saying is true.
we're not customers. That's not. It's not a take it or leave it. Go somewhere else if we can find a cheaper seat or a better experience. Charlton is part of what we do as a family, and that's never ever going to change. So it kind of breaks our heart a bit to see what's been going on at the club. So that's why we're here. Considering I've been a supporter now for 22 years, been a season ticket holder for 22 years, I'm actually contemplating whether to renew my ticket in the summer. If the regime continues, then no, I won't be coming. All the time they're in charge, I won't be coming next year. And he's been hiring managers for the club that he has sacked from other teams and he hasn't been coming to any of the games. The fact that we can keep protesting against the overall regime, I'm not really going to say anything about the manager. You know, he's, he's underqualified, he's come from nowhere. He's probably exactly to get paid, so... But we can't really do a lot about that. It's about us trying to force a change in general. And what do you make of the, the uh, news breaking in the voice of the Valley fans in that Peter Varney's looking to try and lead a consortium to, to make some sort of investment into the club? Um, I hope it's successful. You know, he's been here before. He knows the club through thick and thin. Um, he knows how to run a club, and he's proved that before numerous times. Um, you know, we've been in the dark days before. Hopefully, if he comes back, we'll be back to where we should be, back in the Premier League. before and the fans saved it and it's important that we all stick together and we save it again I sleep with my hands across my chest and I dream of you with someone Lovely touch, goes round his player, chips across the box. Jackson! Oh, yes! What a goal by Johnny Jackson! Arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skippers give a Charlton the lead. Charlton Live! So you're listening to uh, Charlton Live here on a Sunday evening. Uh, and that was um, the fans I interviewed outside uh, the Valley yesterday. During the, the protests after the game, I have to thank every single one of them uh, who spoke to me. Um, I, I, do, um, I, I go out and try and canvas for interviews a fair bit for various different things and people. Uh, and often, I'd say, most when you go out and canvas, I don't know if it's just my face, but um, a lot of people aren't interested in speaking to you. But I went to the protest last night, and of the... I'd say I asked 18 people and 15 people said yes because that's how strongly I think fans are feeling at the moment. Yeah, and if if they do know you, obviously they know you've got a chance to come on here and air their views. Uh, and if they don't, like you say, they're they're so passionate about it. And that was what was so so impressive about it—the footage that you saw from people taking videos from from the West Stand and the photos and just the noise of it. And like like you say, everyone's so passionate about the club and. It just goes back to this whole thing about the customers, doesn't it? That customers aren't that passionate about things. It's, it's supporters that are, and and that's why. I don't know. You've not. never seen me at Pizza Hut. <laughs> <Yeah>. On <laughs> buffet day. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people um, saying how emotional that felt to hear the fans. That it was emotional to to put together today and to do the interview. I have to admit, I was um, yeah, getting quite emotional doing that. I think hearing so many young, and obviously I know we're all the same, but hearing so many young supporters who you know obviously ten, twelve years old, and they get it more than. Than, than the owners, in, in, it's ridiculous. Yeah. How, how does people so young yeah. just they, they get it? They get it, and, and I think that's the frustrating part is the next yeah. generation. Well, I think because um, I, I tweeted yesterday. I went to I go to the Valley Cav most games now. We went in there yesterday. It wasn't a Charlton fan. It was um, yeah. it was a Forest fan, a, a young kid. Um, 
I'd say I estimated he was about ten years old, and he was there with his old man. They've obviously, well, I assume, come down from Nottingham and they were getting some breakfast. Uh, and this kid was sat there on his phone, and he was looking at all the stats, looking at the league table form, players, this. He couldn't shut up about the game. He was so excited, so excited. And I think like. You know, how many fans at our club are feeling like that at the moment? I'm 26 and I still do that at times. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and it, it felt like there has been a bit of that going at the moment, and that's such a, a, such a shame. But um, thank you for your, for your nice comments on that, and uh, thank you, like I say, once again, thank you to all the fans who, uh, who spoke to me uh, yesterday. Right, let's, um, let's get on the emails, because, uh, like I say, we've got quite a fair few. We've got 10 minutes left of the show. We're probably going to have to overrun tonight. Uh, I'm sure you guys don't mind, because uh, there's, there's so many of you getting involved tonight, and it's... Uh, it's a real honour to get to read these out for you. But I'll start off with uh, uh, Paul Skingley emailed. This is actually during the Wolves game he emailed, but um, uh, we, we missed it. So I want to I uh, read it out now. And he says, uh, Gents, this manager has to go very soon if we are to have any hope of staying in this division. These players are good enough, but they don't have any respect for the manager. Anyway, rant over all the best uh, for the new year. That's Paul Skingley. All the best for the new year to you as well. And that, I feel like that's something that's going to pop up a few times in these emails about the manager. Yeah, of course it is. Everyone's of the same opinion, as, as they show at the uh, the end of each game at this moment in time when they then they boo him down the tunnel um i, I think it, the the way that we react to him is just is symbolic of how we are with the regime at this moment in time and and you show that uh, during the game and then or at the end of the game and and now it's got to the point where we're doing that outside the ground afterwards because uh, this is going to continue until until it probably stops i think yeah, we we need a manager that that's competent at this level, and, and we just don't have that at the moment for me. Yeah. Okay, uh, Robin Lisbon says uh, he's looking forward to the show. Sent this email earlier. He says, "I hope you guys can keep the momentum going for Chumpton fans everywhere." I was so proud, all those fans on social media whipping up and coordinating the protest today. It was brilliant. They need a shout out, uh, and they certainly do. Uh, fans were backing the players, not the amateur manager, and then standing up for change. It was fantastic. And who? Is that hero in the director's box standing alone? I didn't see it. It was below where we were sitting. Apparently it must have been someone standing up in the uh, director's box. And, and, and as he says, uh, the players were being backed by the fans. And obviously I agree with that. Uh, Dougie Friedman agrees with that. He came out and said that in the, in the, the Forest Manager. came out and said that in the press conference. Uh, so you cannot, you cannot question the support of the, the, the fans for the players. So you cannot question on the whole. Uh, and you'd be an idiot to do so. I'd just like to say that. Uh, uh, one now feels Chelten fans' patience has finally run out. Uh, Ardi and Miere have crossed that line, and Chelten fans are not to be messed with. The, their ignorance and competence means there's no way back for them. Miere sneers disrespectfully as if fans are lowlife, but inside we know that she is scared and no one in that position can enjoy their job. She'll crack. She doesn't deserve to be in our home. Let's finish it, the Chelten fans. Uh, let's finish it, the Chelten fans. Let's make them want to sell, and they wish they'd never been so arrogant and I think that's clearly what the, the plan of the protest is if you speak to, to Rick that he wants he wants pressure on him because he wants him to go and he, he talks about he wants him to go this week um, I mean it, you know I, I asked him if, if, if he reckons it could be done that quickly and he's well I didn't ask him on air and he, reckon, he reckons it's possible he, he reckons it's, it's possible you never know I think I think the one word that's coming out quite a lot is the arrogance and I think you can go along with that is probably stubborn, stubbornness and I think mm. that stubbornness is going to continue this isn't going to be over for a while, I don't think. Yeah, uh, still getting some nice comments uh, about the Vox Box. Um, I forgot to say, obviously, all our shows go on um, iTunes after as a podcast and go on a website. I'm going to I'm going to take that Vox Box bit. It's about eight nine minutes. I'm going to put that as an audio boom itself. Uh, so you'll be able to listen to that on its own again. You can share that as many times as you want if you so desire. Uh, we're going to move back on to the emails. Chris Davin says. Uh, 
Uh, it's, it wants to talk about the game as well, which is fair enough, because I do, I do think we want to, to talk about the game. So it says, hi, Tim, with a focus on the protest yesterday, I just wanted to give my opinion of our on-the-pitch performance, a completely inept performance versus Wolves, was followed up with another inept performance versus Forest. Barring a quality performance by Harriet, a player we want to offload, uh, it was once again a nothing game against a poor Forest team that we couldn't take advantage of. We are second from bottom, staring down the barrel of relegation, yet play with very little urgency at all. As per the Wolves match, we seemed like we were playing... Uh, a last game of the season nothing on it Matt surely Mr Fry cannot stay he lacks any motivational skills in fact he lacks any skills whatsoever how is he still in a job this team is worse than the Padre team that went down yet we are looking to offload any decent players we do have and bring in Roger Johnson severely underwhelmed that's from Chris uh, Davin I mean obviously I, I, I felt that we played better yesterday than we did against Wolves and I mean he obviously picked out Callum Harriet everyone's saying about how well Callum Harriet's I mean how do you look at the rest of the team I, I, the second half, we certainly weren't inept. I thought we played some some good stuff. Yo, Johan came on and, and made an impact. Thought Mackinock had a, had a good game defensively. Bar Bar Naby Sar, I thought we did well. I thought Harry Lennon had a, had a strong game after a poor performance against Wolves. Solly had his best performance at right back of the season. Morgan did okay, and, and I thought Jordan had his best performance of the season. So I, I thought there was some some actual positives to look at. As Tom said earlier, there was positives to look at. That. Yes, we're not going to get all excited and say we're going to stay up or yeah. you know this is going to be there's something that turns around. But there was some positives. We have positive performances recently. Like well, looking back, the Sheffield the, Wednesday, the Sheffield Wednesday, in the Birmingham game, where we played quite well and then it didn't turn out to be a turning point. And we, I mean, the Bristol City game on Boxing Day was one of, was probably our worst performance of the season for me. Uh, but obviously we had that last minute equaliser which can galvanise and Jacko said himself you know it can be a turning point if only we turn it into one but we didn't so let's uh, and whereas I did think it was an improved performance yesterday and we certainly could have won it at the end you know let's, let's not get carried away and pretend I, I everything's think, rosy because we're signing Roger no, Johnson no but I think I think things will help we have been you know, I'm not I'm not sticking up for anything in regards to manager or anything like that but we have been unlucky for, for, with injuries all through the season you know the fact that we at one point we had what Bauer, Diara, Cousins, Lookman you know, all injured at one point. Um, you know, Bauer and Diara coming back will be will be massive. You know, whether whether Roger Johnson comes comes in or not, which he probably will. But yeah. we've missed Bauer for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Cousins has not, has not been at his best. But if he plays like he did um, yesterday for the rest of the season, that's like having a new sign in the middle for me. If Johan's back to fitness and keeps playing like he did in that second half, then that's a, another new signing. And you know, Cousins and Poyet in the centre of midfield, um, we could be back at that point again, couldn't we? And I think Poyet would be a a massive boost for us. So, yeah, there's we've been unlucky in, in that regard, um, but we just need to make sure we get it right with the players we bring in in January, and, and hopefully have a different manager in by the by the end of that window as well. Would be uh, would be a bonus. Uh, Paul Griffiths says, uh, "Dear gang, starting with yesterday's game, was pleased with the point uh, yesterday, especially being down to ten men for the last quarter of the game. Thought the first half was again poor, but could see the spirit in the players of the second half. We." Could of course have won it at the end with those two Harriet impress uh, with those two Callum Harriet chances, who I was impressed with yesterday, and he was certainly my man of the match. Clearly, many things need to change around the club. The team is desperate for reinforcements in January. Interesting to hear that uh, read, read rumours that Diego Poyet is coming back this week, and you read that from Richard Corley. That's normally a, that's a very good source. Uh, I'm unsure about Johnson. I was very impressed with him when he started, but he seemed to fade away as the season went on. I'm not sure why uh, why we let him go in the summer only to bring him back in January. Does anyone in the studio know why? Uh, no, don't know the answer to that. Uh, but agree with the fact that I thought he started off okay, but then just fell apart. I think as the season went on towards the end of last season. He's ten years older than Naby Sarr, and he's making the same mistakes that Naby Sarr's probably making now. <laughs> That's the worry. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, he carries on. Does Paul? He says the main 
problem, of course, though is our owner and CEO, the continued refusal to engage in dialogue with the fans and the lack of courtesy shown to Peter Viney in the emails published in The Voice of the Valley are unbelievable. We joined the protest yesterday before the game, but with the long trek back to Deepish Hampshire, not after the game, but it was great to see the huge numbers and the coverage. I was with you in spirit on the long drive home. I am still of the belief that we need a manager with a knowledge of the championship, and I live in hope that this happens, but I'm certainly not holding my breath. Happy, two near, happy New Year to, to all, and please keep up the great work on the show in 2006. Thanks, Paul. Uh, happy New Year to you as well. Uh, how many customers do you know go to a cinema in Hampshire from London? None. No, okay. No. Well, Paul's made the same journey to come to a football club. In the opposite direction, Mark Newbury says, uh, Evening, folks. As a loyal customer for over 30 years, it's difficult when you see your club has become a model for others with stability and, continu- and continuity and, and has become a laughing stock amongst teams who we used to think and uh, used to see and think, I'm glad that's not our club, namely Palace. <laughs> I just added that bit. Uh, it seemed as if the entire North Stand emptied out and turned left into the car park. But unfortunately, I believe that the arrogance shown by the regime in regards to how little they care about the fans means it was almost a pointless showing of numbers. Channel 5 mentioned it, showing uh, Louis' tweet footage and talking about it to Chris Powell, a man who oozes class when talking about the club, which treated him so badly. Does KM listen? No, I believe she thinks that we don't understand the long-term project, but what she doesn't understand is how unattractive we will become to potential fans and supporters when we languish in League 1 or lower after she has sold the family silver just so we can watch them in the Premiership. Target 20,000 would be hard-pushed to get Target 2,000. As for the game, glad to see Harry is back and was the best player by a mile, but playing Vastow on the wing where he was ineffective as he is up front was odd uh, and he didn't give us any uh, protection to Fox. Our old friend Mr Kettle did his normal job in letting fouls go against us and then penalising us. Uh, Glad to see Big Mac scoring, but he needs a partner to run off him as he's not the best at keeping it. So the ball just keeps coming back at us. I think Saar and Lennon are getting an understanding now, so it's hard to see where new learnings would go. Still think it's any three from five, and that's the thing. I mean, we're not three from five. We're not. We're not cut adrift here. And um, obviously, Mark tweeted in. He was the one who tweeted earlier about Saar being twenty-two, and obviously we're being harsh on him. Uh, And he said he he thinks that they are starting to get a a partnership now with with Lennon. So that's uh, that's what Mark says in regards to. uh you say that the Vazde thing came up again. If, if Johan's back, Poyet comes in. You suddenly got potential of a midfield of Goodmanson, Cousins, Poyet, Harriet, and Vazde and Mackinock. That's that's a good top six, isn't it? Or am I? Yeah, and then you've got the likes of Sabaos on the bench as well. Sabaos, Jacko. Yeah, yeah. Jack, from, if Poyet Diana comes in, if you need him in there as well. Yeah, because exactly. the problem's just been depth, hasn't it, all season? And I know it's been partly ravaged by injuries, but at the same time, we just haven't strengthened the squad enough from the start of the right. season. So. People like Roger Johnson. Yeah, he's probably not going to play every week if he comes in, but it's an extra body in there so that when someone does go out, we don't have to throw, I don't know, Charles Cook or Tariq in at centre-back just mm. to do a job for us. We've got someone there who's done it before. Steve um, Steve Chapman on Twitter makes a fair point as well, that Cashy is one of the biggest loss, losses. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it was Rick Everett who said, and he did, like I say, he did plenty of uh, interviews yesterday. Um, and I don't think he said it on our one, but I think he said it on the Talk Sport one. It's all about the amount of injuries we have are because we're signing players from leagues that aren't used to playing 46 games. They're either very young or you're coming from somewhere they're not used to, and, and they're not used, their bodies aren't used to the rigours of a championship season. Do you think that could be why we're having such an injury oh, crisis? Absolutely. I mean, Mackinac came out and said it's, it's taken a long time to adapt to the, to the league. I think Bauer said within two weeks of the season starting that in Germany, or, or in Portugal, yeah. sorry, where he was playing, that you, you don't play three weeks, uh, three games in a week. You don't play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. But you do that 
probably half the season in in England, don't you? Because of the cup games and and what have you. Next year it'll be the JPT if it goes that way. <laughs> um, but you know, it's you, you do play a, a lot of games, and it's a, a tough, a tough. Well, it's one of the toughest leagues in in the world, isn't it? So right, Martin Isted, uh, he tweeted me this afternoon, uh, and as soon as he tweeted me, explaining what his email was about, and uh, I, I was really eager, to, I was really looking forward to, to reading it. So I'm going to read it now. Uh, uh, this is my and you say, this is my issues for Katrina. I won't bore you with my family history of supporting Charlton because we all we all have a history, which is why we feel like we do. The point is, I would like to get over the point that she seems to be missing. Twenty thousand supporters is the aim. Where are they going to come from? Surely they're going to come from the younger generation. My son has been religiously following Charlton from his formative years and is now twelve. Do you think he can get into school and big up Charlton so they so to his friends so they could be they may be attracted to come to the valley with him? Answer: No chance. He just takes stick in the playground. Most kids want good football and half decent results and not a complete laughing stock. Kids also want to see what's going on, so there's no incentive for him to be attracted to Charlton. He made an observation the other day when Katrine quoted that it was only two percent of the fans were unhappy. He said, "He said that means we must have a fan base as big as, as big as Barcelona. Then <laughs> kids are like sponges; they suck it all in." On the subject of RD, I'm not sure who should go, as I do believe all businesses should be run with the, within financial perimeters and not in cloud cuckoo land. But we need to be more transparent and objectives to come our way to reassure the fans: a chief exec with a face and not in hiding, a manager with a bit of red blood. That's from Martin in, in Borough Green and. Uh, I love that quote from his son, the, the 12-year-old about Barcelona. Um, and, and you're right. When you, I mean, like, I, I, spoke to, I made sure I spoke to young Arnold when I was out there yesterday. And obviously Martin's son feels the same. There's young fans who, aren't, who are being turned away. But I, mean, I think it might be more simple in terms of young fans. They want to support a team that's doing well. Obviously, when the, older, the older they'll get, the more they'll feel the family ties. And, you know, the tie, it, will, it will feel the ties for his dad, of course, coming with his dad. But the, the older you get, the more you love the tradition and that. But I think when you're young and you're looking for... You, look, look at when you're on the playground. How many kids support each other and how many kids support Man U? You know what it's like to be a kid. So when you've got a team that simply isn't delivering it on the pitch, then you're not going to get 20,000 fans, young or old. No, what, what was great was the fact that they were there and fighting for the club. They haven't just given up on us. But, but like you say, that's only going to last for so long, isn't it? And you go down to League One and the next, next set of people at that age come through and they're, they're just not going to be interested in coming to this club and that, that's the real worry a couple of tweets come flying in uh, which I'll try and pick up uh, quickly Peter Pierce says be good to have Coughlin back any chance any rumours no he's he's, like, he's, he's, uh, he's injured for Arsenal anyway but he's one of their best players now uh, Bob Liskin says do you think Callum was just being put in the shop window well we talked about this yeah, well, just, there, only we? because of the way that um, Carroll sort of slightly downplayed um, Callum's performances in, in his interview with Tell we were like, you've got to be careful here because, you know, imagine if he comes in, plays really well. So he's, he's cut tight for Colchester. He plays really well today. Comes back against Huddersfield, say. He scored his first ever chunk golf at Huddersfield. Say he goes up there, plays well, and then we sell him. That would be ridiculous. So you'd hope it's not just a, a shop window situation. Kevin says, how I got the mick taken out uh, uh, at school 33 years ago for supporting Charlton. Nothing's changed. And I still get the mick taken out of yeah, me same at yeah. work and everything. Uh, Lisbon says, take a bow, guys. As usual, that was a great show. It's so helpful to hear all the detail being aired and shared. Thanks, Lisbon. We're not done yet. Yeah, so we've got, so we got another about three hours. Yeah, away yeah. Uh, Rick Everett says, um, uh, excellent show from Charlton Live, especially the Vox Pox with protesters. No need for any more from the fan scene editor for now, though. Um, uh, thanks for that, Rick. And I'll say thanks so much for um, agreeing to do the interview with, with the BBC and with um, myself yesterday. It was, uh, it was, uh, you're certainly the, the man I wanted to talk to 
uh, today. We've got loads of emails. We're probably going to be on to about 9 o'clock. Uh, I might have to say a cut-off. If anyone's typing out an email now, please maybe save it for next week because I'll never get home at this rate. Uh, but Zaki Dogliani says, Hi, guys. Yesterday made me proud to be a Charlton fan, not because the performances on the pitch, although Harriet Solly and Goodison were excellent, but the commitment of the thousands of the supporters who stayed uh, for an hour after full-time in the rain to make their voices heard. The We Are More Than Customers and Peter Varney references were great, but my favourite part was the singing about Chris Powell and some of the players bizarrely sold by the regime and then some of the worst uh, network signings. Christophe Lepoix, you're having a laugh, etc., etc. The fact that we could have carried on in that vein for a lot longer, listing the many players sold inexplicably or those bought in despite not being good enough says a lot. Uh, about how unbelievably bad our recruitment policy under Du Chatelet has been. For that and a host of other reasons, he needs to sell up while there's still time to find a new owner, a proper manager, and new players before the transfer window closes to save our season and to keep us up. You agree, guys? I mean, like I say, um, Rick hoped that we'd be able to get that they, these guys would leave within a week, and that would obviously give them the new owners a chance to dip into the transfer market, but. Um, you're you still not sure if that can happen. He, I, I, I don't. He, he seems. It's not to a case of not sure yeah. if it can happen. If I mean, if Rick Rick feels that that's potentially possible, then then fine. But it's just from from watching what's happened over the last two years and the fact that where we are now and the, the continued silence from from the the regime, I just I just don't see it happening. And that's just my my hunch. I'd love it to happen. Of course I would, but I I, th- I think it. It won't happen. Joe tweets in that he's still awaiting your interviews from those that didn't agree with the protest, and so am I because they never turned up. Unfortunately, um, Steve Gates says football suffered from low depth, and we need balance. How our strikers are going to score without service? More defensive midfielders aren't the answer, right? Matty Vine, uh, whose dad looks very much like John Steele, the former Dagenham manager, says there is a quality in the squad, however, not much at the back. The ones that are decent are injured Bauer and Diara. Clean sheets have been rare for us. Cousins gave extra protection to the defence, as I feel he's better defensively than offensively. Fort THD was a red card as the winger was away, but shouldn't be playing out of position anyway as Fox has been poor. Saar and Lennon are still young and need as much help as they can get. Cousins and maybe Williams can help them. Getting forward, we didn't put many uh, crosses in for McKinnock for him to get on to the end of. Uh, and when we did, we scored. But with Harriet, uh, Johan, Cabayas, Reza and maybe Musa all back, plenty of creativity for him to get on the end of. Uh, same may apply for the through balls for Igor and Adamola when they're back. Uh, fit, he says many thanks. Uh, Matthew Vine, uh, thanks Matt. Matt's, um, he knows football better than a lot of people I know. He's, he's a friend of mine. He's, uh, he knows football better than a lot of people I know, so it's always good to hear uh, what he has to say on football. Uh, Simon Holland says, had a bird's eye view of the cross assist from Harriet from the West Lower Block C, best cross of the season at the Valley by a mile. And I, like I say, I, I was purring about it um, because of how uh, his assist against Sheffield Wednesday a couple of seasons ago for, um, what's his name? Spongebob. was so good, and that was one of them. It reminded me of this free ball that Talawel Kokori played for Darren Bent away at Man City a long time ago. If you can remember that, guys, you're as big a geek as me. Uh, Steve Chapman says, uh, Hi, fellas. Haven't felt compelled, uh, compelled to get in touch since the days of Mark Mansfield. Uh, yeah, just, wanted, yeah, just wanted to offer my appreciation and admiration to everyone who was involved in arranging the protest yesterday for the good of our club. The footage didn't just look impressive for Jolton, it looked impressive full stop. Like, like most long-term supporters, I'm sure, I was, prepared, I was prepared to view the Belgians' intentions objectively and accept that they didn't have Cholton blood coursing through their veins like we all do. However, it was the CEO's comments that came to light over Christmas that, like others, I'm sure, have finally changed my mind. Following the takeover, there was concern that would be 
that we would embarrassingly become a feeder club to the less than mighty standardly age. It's now clear that was almost correct with the owner's intentions for us to be nothing more than a nursery club, Charlton Academy, if you will, with all with us completing for Saturday afternoon customers alongside Blue Water or the Odeon. Obviously, for a club of our stature, history, support, base and stadium, this cannot be allowed, and a huge appre- appreciation again for everything that's being done uh, t- to prevent this for the future of our club. Uh, four more. Nicholas Selby. Uh, good evening, Nicholas. I hope you well. Says hi, guys. I went to the game yesterday. Like you said, the first half was pretty mediocre, but when we was down to ten men, it looked like there was only going to be one winner, which was us. Harriet was by far the best player on the pitch. Will be interesting to see if the club will still be listening to offers for him. Also, transfer speculation. Poyet coming back, Kermigan coming back, and Roger Johnson coming back. Don't you think this is weird? Johnson wasn't offered another contract in the summer. Kermigan was sold for five hundred grand, and obviously Poyet went for next to nothing. What's your take on this? I do. Also, I wonder where the owner and Katrina are going to go from here following the protests because I think there is no way back for them now. And that's, I mean, we've, we've talked about the, the, the player signings before. The, the no way back for them now, and that's what Rick wanted. That's what a lot of the fans there yesterday wanted. That's what the Spelling Out and Black and White campaign wanted. Do you think there is no way back for them now? I'm not sure what their way back would be. Um, obviously, if, if they come out with a statement now or have made a decision regarding their future with the club, it it just looks like an immediate reaction to, to the protest and there's no say that, as we've said earlier, they seem pretty pretty set on being stubborn and, and not answering that. So aside from that, I don't know where they go. Uh, it's tough, isn't it? If their their sort of business model is to do with customers and isn't really to do with the supporters and liaising with them, then I guess they can carry on as normal, can't they? But you just got to keep battling away if that's how you believe. And and like Rick said in his interview, you'll get there and you know it it doesn't happen overnight but if this keeps happening and keeps getting picked up in the national media they're going to have to come out and say anything because obviously their own reputations then are kind of on the line i guess all right email from bob liskam uh, he says how will fans feel if any new owner takes us away from the valley i'll take it that's how strong i feel about the current owners that's bob liskam uh i i would uh, for me personally leaving the valley would just break my heart and obviously i was still too young to be involved in the back to the in, in the Valley Party or the, or the Back to the Valley campaign, but I'm sure that there's so many Chomp fans out there who wouldn't. But if, there's no there's no indication whatsoever that anything that Peter Varney wants to, uh, you know, the people that Peter Varney wants to put the club in, in contact with, there's no indication at all that they would want to move Chomp away from the Valley. No, and if uh, the owners aren't being liked at the moment for what's going on here, I think any yeah. owner that came in and moved us away from the Valley would probably be disliked even but more. But I need to as well. This is a lovely stadium, yeah. and it's, it, I mean, I'd be silly. I'm sure there's probably financial reasons, but the, the, it's pointless. Uh, Kenneth Sinyard says listen to the comments that you recorded it really should not be like this he's referring to the Vox Box I got with fans at the protest he said but we as Charlton fans have started a journey and the destination will be the change of owner and the CEO to restore our club uh, let's hope it's sooner rather than later however long it takes we are Charlton young and old and that's the point that we're getting young and old fans out there yesterday uh, and a lot of them feeling the same way yep yeah and I think as, as I said I think each I think the reason why it was so strongly put for for yesterday was because there was three weeks until our next home game and in that home game you'll be only a week before the end of the transfer window and I think there was just a point that needed to be made even stronger than, than before um, but I think this is just going to continue each home game as long as these owners are in, in charge Like that, that's how it seems to me I don't know yeah, right definitely yeah we're, um, uh, we're we're coming to the end now the last email David White uh, says hi Louis and team evening David uh, it says that the Charlton fans found their mojo yesterday and kudos to everyone from nine to from five to ninety five for finding their voice. Good to see my black and white brolly in pics today at the afternoon matinee. 
220 to 255. Uh, oh, that was the, the, the protest before the game. He said, I put it down afterwards. I didn't want to be <laughs> mistaken for Steve McLaren. <laughs> uh, he said, the 5 p.m. show was standing room only and a great turnout for the Catri Mere Rocky Horror Show. Cheers, guys. That's Soapbox Sam. Oh, that's who he is. He's on the forum. I know that. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, David. And, uh, yeah, well done for, for turning out uh, for the protest. And uh, we, we've gone well over time here, 15 minutes over time. Um, I have to thank you, you guys so much for all your emails and, and your tweets and uh, uh, the interviews with Rick Everett. And any fan who I spoke to yesterday, it was um, a really special day to be a Charlton fan, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Not, well, not my, like that part continue. Yeah. yeah, completely agree with that. Uh, right, I'm knackered. <laughs> uh, we've, we've gone 15 minutes over time. Um, Happy New Year to, to you all, one and all. Uh, thank you for listening tonight. Thank you to Crispy for coming in. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Uh, uh, thank you for Tom Wallin for coming in. Cheers, Louis. Uh, I've been Louis Meadows. Thanks for listening to uh, an explosive show uh, tonight. We're going to have this show back up on, uh, on iTunes soon. We'll be back on Thursday evening for the big match previews. We look ahead to the Colchester game in the FA Cup. Uh, so, and then of course we'll be back on Sunday evening uh, I'm going to try and get a week off next week I'm going to try and get Terry to, <laughs> to host next week but we'll be, uh, we'll be back then thanks for listening so much tonight thanks for all your hard work over the last, um, the last couple of uh, days here at the club as well uh, you guys know who you are and what you've done and well done to all of you thanks for listening and we'll be back on Thursday Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.